Oh, welcome everybody to the Monday, July 10th edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show, bringing health, freedom, and healing liberty back where it belongs with each and every one of you. Uh, is it a head spinning Monday for you too? There's a lot going on. Uh, we're going to do our best to, I don't know if we can ground this show today. I, I'm already floating a little bit off the air. I've got uh, Brianna uh, Latipo on for the first time, and she's already, I can tell how wonderful she is. She is uh, married to uh, Dr. Joseph Latipo, uh, you know, the Surgeon General from Florida. Now I understand a little bit more about him that it's just awesome, really cool stuff. And she's got a book out, Emerging from Darkness, a spiritual memoir and guide back to the light. Perfect companion to yesterday's show, I think. If you guys missed it with Ann Archer Butcher, good Lord, it was amazing. Uh, we are what? Healthier, happier, and wealthier than ever before. We've ever been before. Anyway, check out yesterday's show if you missed it. It's really fun. Uh, so with that, let's crank up uh, this broadcast. Super Don, hit it. One, two, three, go. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. I know a lot of stuff's going on, but uh, my head's spinning faster than usual today. And I, I think I just remembered why. And how could I forget? It was only minutes ago I was dealing with it, but here I am again. What is it? My son moved out <laughs> over the weekend. It's like, what? It's it, super done. I know you've dealt with this. You're already a grandpa, but it's, it's, it's still new for me. And I'm like, it will take, it'll take a, a little bit. It will. Um, how are, how are you feeling? If you had to describe how you're feeling, is it just, it's mixed emotions. It, yeah. You know, it's, it's really cool because he's stepping up. He, you know, it wasn't like we kicked him out. It was like, he figured out dad, it's time. I need to do this. I'm like, that's awesome. Right. And, uh, no, he's done well. I'm very proud of him. At the same time, there's a dad part of me that goes, come on, that's my boy. That's my little boy. Uh, all growed up. Uh, doing that. So I'm, I'm just feeling that I think emotionally on top of everything else, I have to acknowledge that, you know, I'm not, you, not you're like dealing this. with the half empty nest syndrome, is the half empty nest. That's right. Uh, I still I, got, I, still got the daughter there for a while. huh? Well, we'll see what happens there. My daughter yeah. just graduated high school, you know, and it's like, True. it all happened so fast yet. You know, you, you say that as a parent, they grow up so fast and yet uh, anyway, so I'm just like not the stoic, uh, uh, non-emotional guy. I'm feeling it, and I acknowledge yeah. that. Now, it was good this morning. I had my workout. The The challenge of the week is really good. I was kicking butt on that. Actually, kicking bag on that. It was a, a roundhouse kick, right, left, right, left, all the way through the round, and I got up to 210. And so I was really doing well, and I didn't – I don't think I got in the yellow zone doing that as well. That's, that's a cardio miracle thing. That's right. Thank you for the sound effects. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't do that while I was doing it, but we'll see if, if the challenge of the week is mine or not. It's okay. But I felt really good about it again, very good and fit. And that helped me deal with some of the emotional stuff. Just kind of hit mm. the bag there like that. You know, and then, kids, kids give you a sense of purpose. Yeah, um, they do. And, and so, and when they move out, it's, it is weird. Mm -hmm. It is weird. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be experiencing that even though my, my son is, you know, in his late twenties now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's lived with us for a while and he's yeah. getting his own place now. And wow. I'm, st I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm feeling kind of the, some of the same emotions. Cause I've been right. very lucky. I've been hanging on to, you know, it's like, Oh, you don't have to yeah. move. No, it's okay. You don't have to move. Cause you know, yeah. just coming home and I him coming home and talking about just yeah. stuff, whatever, you know, 
I, I feel like this is not the tough guy show today. Like I'm going to start crying. That's all right. That's all right. Real <laughs> men wear their hearts on their sleeves. It's okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, and you went to the funniest Shakespeare festival I've ever heard oh, of. Dude. You know, I, I just, I've never <laughs> been to, I look, because the Shakespeare's festival out here in Ashland, Oregon is it's a, a big, big deal. deal. People yeah. come from all over the country to go to this thing. Right. And so I'm like Shakespeare festival, right? Shakespeare. I was, I was like, you didn't even know I am, iambic pentameter and you're going it's, to the Shakespeare no, festival. It's, it's not the potato festival. It's not the garlic festival. It's the Shakespeare. So I'm mm-hmm. expecting what? Yeah. Shakespeare. Right. right. <laughs> So we go to this. It turns out here. It's like, remember when Robin Williams did it as a, like to be or what, right? It, it was like a whole different thing that you experienced. And I just, it was the well, three musketeers. Although I found out at later after the fact, the three musketeers is not Shakespeare. So no. <laughs> I, I should have known something was up there, but we're like, let's go see the three musketeers. So I show up, mm-hmm. we're a little bit late uh, and, and we get our seats and I sit down I'm expecting Shakespearean, Three Musketeers, and the first thing I hear when and I see are these two guys dressed up as as musketeers, and one guy's looking at the other guy and says, "Man, your sword is dope, man." <laughs> and I'm like, "What is this?" And it was like it, it turned out to be like an urban, mm-hmm. modern interpretation, light, loosely interpret, loose interpretation of the Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. And it had all kinds of expletives and you know swear words and you were and bringing your grandkids to this. I I, I mean it took you know we, we got to the intermission and I was kind of like man I need to go get a cup of coffee. <laughs> I was I was falling asleep. I was just like what am I what am I trying to watch here? Mm-hmm. But it was I mean whatever we have something we can laugh about now. But oh my god, was not what I was expecting. But do you, do you remember that one Robin Williams thing where he's playing like a. Uh, you know, urban style Shakespeare. And he's like, to be or what? Right. It was like, that was mm. the, what you told me this. I was imagining that. And what a shock you didn't yeah. expect. And it, it kind of reminded me, it was, remember the Wiz? Yes, the Wiz. That's right. Yeah. You know, the Wizard, uh, of, Oz, the Wizard of Oz. It was like yeah. the Shakespeare, like uh, the Three Musketeers meets the Wiz kind of a thing. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got uh, uh, Brianna Latipo scheduled in just a moment. I, I want to hit the first story and obviously was detoured by just my own experience here, emotions and things. So, yes. thanks for rolling with me. Mm-hmm. Um, in trending politics news, uh, the U.S. government has filed an urgent request to keep censoring Americans on social media. <laughs> I'm like, what mm. you know they there was a, a recent restraining order or injunction something along those lines we talked about it a bit with jonathan emord last week uh, but basically said hey you guys cannot collude with social media to censor um what you call misinformation etc and it's 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 unconstitutional unconst- and the judge ruled that they would probably um win on the merits of the case so he went ahead and issued the injunction he thought it was reasonable and so the federal government, instead of going, OK, we'll just take it up with the court the next round, said, no, 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 we got to stop this injunction. We need to be able to what? What do we need to be able to do? We need to uh, Well, the, the excuses they're using, I've seen several interviews on this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're like, well, you know, we need to be able to have access to social media and coordinate with them in case there's like a nas- uh, natural, you know, disaster or there's. You know, yeah, a, a there's threat nothing to national nothing, security or something. Nothing would prohibit them from, you know, say colluding or cooperating, if you want to say it nicely, in those cases. There's nothing in there. They're going, oh, no, it's so vague that you're probably going to sue us if we do that. No, no, it's not. No. But here is this quote that just jumped out at me to let you know how far 
whoever's in control of the federal government right now, if it's the Biden administration, whatever, go full screen on that, is in, in total abandonment, reckless abandonment, and, and purposeful abandonment of the Constitution and the First Amendment in particular. In the emergency stay request, the government argued that the injunction lacked clarity and that the attorneys general, I should say, failed to demonstrate any harm resulting from the censorship. No. What? What? what, what? You failed to demonstrate any harm. So you acknowledge you're there's, censoring. There's but no you're, harm. You're claiming that there is no harm to violate somebody's fundamental right to freedom of speech. Just the First Amendment. What's the harm in censoring that? I mean, it, it, is there any legitimacy to the current administration when it comes to this issue or anybody that supports censorship to go, oh, well, yes, we admit we are censoring, but there's no harm, no foul. Get over it. We want to be able to censor you and claim that there's no the whole idea of the First Amendment, of course, was to protect repulsive, um, argumentative sometimes even disgusting speech that we would not agree with that I would not. But the concept of defending your right to the death to say that because we believe so much in freedom in America, or at least I do, you do, but apparently not the Biden administration or those that would uh, control the, uh, you know, the, what what is being communicated, what is being allowed to be communicated. What's the uh, point of having the media? First Amendment if they can just go, uh, as long as it doesn't cause any harm, we could. Yeah. We can, and how do you define harm? We'll take How, that away from you. Could we argue that we have been harmed? We've been deplatformed on YouTube and f well, from time to time on Facebook and from time to time on Twitter, even although it seems to be back Twitter, uh, also LinkedIn of all things, a kind of a social media for business contacts. We can't do anything with LinkedIn now. And uh, what's the other one? Spotify. This is the weirdest one. Spotify, which has Joe Rogan on saying stuff that they want to censor him for. But Spotify is all good, giving him 100 million. And we're banned on Spotify. Is that weird? No harm? Yeah, we're we're small fries, I guess. But mm. uh, yeah, interesting. And you know, the thing is, is in the in the very beginning when when they were cracking down on everybody and censoring everybody, and everybody was getting banned and deplatformed and demonetized mm. and stuff like that. We told we said, you know, there's no way that this is going to stand up in court. But the yeah. government, they didn't care because they knew that they could censor people now and then yeah. apologize later. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to suppress that information. Yeah. And they, they did succeed. And now you're having these these uh, these court Lawsuits cases now where people are winning. Yeah. And I mean, that's good. But how much money did they have to expend needlessly for something? Well, that and was how do, how do you give violation? back that speech yeah. from three years right. ago? You Can can't. I have it's it back, done. please? Right. Could yeah. we have our YouTube channel back end or all the uh, the videos that we did right. that we lost? That would right. be nice. That's a real harm. You can't tell me that we haven't been harmed by their collusion with social media. Well, and, and you know, the things that were being said at the time were right, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, we were they, correct. They were exactly, correct. Yeah, we, yeah. we disagreed with what was what the World Health Organization was saying. Mm -hmm. We were disagreeing with what the local health uh, agencies and authorities yeah. were saying. Mm -hmm. We ended up being right. Yeah. Now, we how were. had people been told the truth back then? Mm -hmm. How many people died? How many people would have been saved had they allowed the truth to flow through rather than how many people it, would have died yeah. if we had been listened to when we were talking about what was going on with the ventilators? Yeah, exactly. Right. And not yep. just us, but many people. Yeah. So here we are recognizing that our right to free speech is not a government granted, right? It's an acknowledged preexisting right that it, that it, it comes with you when you you're born and the question is, do we have a government that protects those rights or a government that violates those rights? And if so, what do we do about it? We just uh, passed through the Independence Day spectacular and we talked about 
with with uh, my dearly departed friend uh, Michael Badnarik every year. We've done it since 04 or so 05 uh, until his passing last year. So we've got a lot more to do in that regard to remind you that your rights come from God, not government. Someone who probably knows that really well is our guest this hour for the first time on the Robert Scott Bell Show, uh, Brianna Ladapo. And look, check this out. She's got a new book through Skyhorse. One of our favorite, if not our favorite book publisher. It's called Emerging from Darkness, a spiritual. It's Ladapo, not Ladapo. Oh, come on. See? You did it. Ladapo, I did it. <laughs> well, I did it. So, I, you know what? It has to be um, what we call equality because I did it when her husband was on. <laughs> so, I, I got it for her. Ladapo. Okay. Brianna Ladapo. Emerging from Darkness, a spiritual memoir and guide back to the light. It would have been a perfect companion piece to yesterday's show. In fact, it is today. So thank you for being here. Brianna, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Grateful to have you on board. Honestly, I, I, I so enjoyed having your husband on, although as I talked to you briefly before we got on the air that you know, being a homeopath, I, I kind of threw some things at him to go, hey, there are this. Or, it's like, well, you could tell it wasn't his area of expertise and he was he doesn't make stuff up. I can tell Again, a man of great integrity. And now that I know he's married to you, I, it explains to me his open mindedness and his willingness to be guided by something deeper than, let's say, convenience or a, let's say a government edict or prohibition. Oh, thank you. He's a remarkable man. Uh, even though when I met him, he was in medical school, very much immersed in that narrative. Uh, he was getting an MD PhD at Harvard, so hadn't necessarily been exposed to a more naturopathic or homeopathic approach. But he always was extraordinarily moral, and he's he's always had this amazing inner compass. His intuition is is a beautiful thing. He has that north star, and I don't think the man has ever lied in his life. He's the most honest person I know. So. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, well, we've we've admired him from afar, and was I was happy to have him on this show once. I'd love to get him back on again, but uh, I've got you. It's even better, his wife. So, uh, and terrific. You have three boys. I understand, right? <laughs> I'm gonna tell that. Yes, <laughs> and, and three, three yes. young boys. Oh my! Right? Yeah, we were talking yes, about our kids well. growing up. So I'm like tearing up a little bit today. <laughs> oh, I was listening to you talking about that. And even though I have a little ways to go, I know I'm going to blink and it's mm. going to be here. And sometimes I know as a dad, you can relate to this. Sometimes I'll catch a glimpse of one of them. And for a moment, it's almost as if I'm a stranger and not their mom, see them the way the world sees them. And I can't believe how brilliant and kind and full of light these little babies are. I'm just very honored to be their mama. There's something oh, else. Something special here. I, I was uh, getting a sense just in the description of your, your background and your book as well that it very much is in alignment with what I try to do here. You, you apparently grew up in a very uh, deeply religious household, uh, you know, what we call a traditional religious household, and you had apparently uh, gifts, uh, I don't know, if, uh, of sight, of sense, things that maybe defied some easy description that maybe make people, certain people uncomfortable, including your own mother, apparently. And, and it's so much what we describe here is that the spirit, I can call it by many different names, can guide us with or without a formal, you know, church, synagogue, mosque building or, or official religion. And I'm not for or against that. I'm just telling you that this has been my worldly experience as well. And Superdom's very uh, amenable to that thought as well. But to grow up, in that environment to have senses and thoughts and sights and sounds. I mean, give us a little bit of that background. I know it's in your book, but I want people to understand what you went through. 
it was very confusing and very difficult. You know, as a child, um, since you don't have a lot of experience or years on the planet yet, at least in that particular incarnation, you define the world through your, your own limited experience. So from the moment I was born, or I should say as long as I can remember, as far back as I can recall, I've always had my angels with me, talking to me. I've always had visions of what was coming. I've always been able to read the energy and auras of other people. And I had no idea this was unusual because I was a little girl. <laughs> so I'm growing up in this very fundamentalist family. My father's side was Roman Catholic and my mother's side was Protestant. I call them fundamentalists because, the, and, and again, I, I would never want to malign anyone's belief system. I have total respect for oh. whatever serves others and whatever you believe. But it was very much at odds with everything I was feeling. And um, my mother and grandmother's church quite literally believed that just their congregation was going to heaven and the rest of earth was going to hell. Hmm. So from my perspective, <laughs> yes, it was a, a very limited way to look at the world. And so they didn't know what to do with me. And not having any idea that I was strange to them, I kept telling them what I was seeing, what was happening to me, what I was feeling, what I was predicting. And they thought that I was the work of the devil. Mm. And they very clearly told me that. Can you imagine I mean, so, a young girl and being told by your family members and congregation, you're, you're, you're of the devil? I mean, that, that, that to me gives a... Uh, you know, all the, the, the ill will that we have in, in the Hegelian dialectic, whether it be non-religious and religious, left, right, et cetera, that there's, where's the compassion? Where's the love? Where's the, you know, the questions? Hey, ask, what is it? As opposed to judgment and, and denigration and con condemnation. Absolutely. And, and frankly, all it, well, not all it did, it was very hurtful, but ultimately it led me on a very deep exploration of not only my own faith, but of theirs. I went through a period where I studied just about every world religion I could get my hands on because mm -hmm. I was trying to understand these dichotomies, these things that seemed so antithetical to what they were professing. You know, you go to church on Sunday, you talk about love and generosity and all these things but then you're so cruel to your own family member. When something comes up, it's not evil, but, but it's not something you understand. It's something foreign. And like you said, understand why they didn't just ask questions. And um, I see a lot of parallels to that in our world today. It's been really stunning to me how little curiosity there is about what's unfolding in the world on a grander scale. Mm -hmm. And it's led me to believe that part of organized religion's goal is indeed to rob one of that ability, to take away your sovereignty, to remove the desire to ask questions, to encourage conformity. And while I do support every soul's um, God-given right to believe whatever they want, I will never support taking someone's sovereignty away. Mm. Amen, sister. <laughs> I mean, this is something that uh, your, your journey it, it mirrors my own so much. Uh, I just am, um, you know, refreshed to, to hear you've come through it and uh, you're doing extraordinary things, including this new book. Um, you know, I had I've talked about this on the air, uh, a near death experience when I was in sixth grade, you know, where I left my body, came back to it, you know, had gone to the other side, came back and I'm like, oh, OK. I had a sense that that might be real. But man, it is so real. It is more real than this place here. And you can't necessarily explain it to have other people get it until they have an experience like that. But I thought, wouldn't it be nice to not have to wait 
till you quote unquote die to know that you're connected and you can visit those worlds and come back and be just fine, even better? Absolutely. And I think if people knew that, they'd be a whole lot less afraid of everything. They'd be a lot harder to control because uh, let's say the dark powers that be love to manipulate people using fear, especially using um, the, the idea of death, right? Our own mortality against us. But that's an illusion. We are infinite souls having a temporary physical experience. We were never supposed to be afraid of this experience or this situation. So I, I completely agree with you. I had a near-death experience as well. And I mean, some similar things. But uh, what I was in the moment that I, I didn't think I was going to come back, actually. And frankly, it was so lovely. I didn't necessarily mind. <laughs> but I'm glad that I did. I clearly had more work to do. But wherever I yes. was... It was this purely euphoric, blissful state where the only thing I felt was love and complete comfort. And I remember thinking, right, that's what we're doing here. So when I came back, I, I distinctly remember, like, okay, this is our mission. This is what we're supposed to be cultivating on earth and helping people remember. Because the narrative out there is quite the opposite and terribly destructive, but it's an illusion. None of it's real. This is also what I've said in, in terms of political realities of division is that many times we are um, kind of forced to choose sides in terms of how do we look? What kind of pigment? Do we have more pigment or less? Where do we come from? What do we believe in all of that? And yet you have an experience like that, a profound experience like that or what I had and others have. And you begin to realize that over identification with the body is another form of, uh, let's say, uh, control. This idea that you could be manipulated to fear somebody who looks different than you yet on the true uh, the true state of our reality of who we really are as soul, spiritual beings, light, all of that. There is no distinction in terms of other than individuality, but it isn't as easy to say you're this or you're that. <laughs> it's like you have experiences, you have <laughs> talents, you have gifts, and, and they're all so extraordinary. There would be so much more upliftment and engagement and, and, and even questioning. It's like, wow, how do you know that? What do you know? Tell me more, as opposed to condemning people because you can't see it the same way. So you must say that's of the devil as opposed to something else. Yeah. And whether it's religion or skin color or some other belief system, there's a lot of that going on. I think there's so much focus placed on our external silly differences to in order to distract us from, from what you just said, that actually at a soul level, not only are we the same in all the ways it matters, but it's our differences that actually make our experience complete. I talk a lot in my book about how what we really need is to be exactly who we are. And that sounds like such a, an oversimplified thought, but the reality is we have all this noise these days, right? The mainstream media, social media, even books, other people, all kinds of things. And it becomes increasingly difficult with all this chattering in your ear to figure out what you actually believe at a soul level, what you actually think. And then if you pile trauma on top of that, which every single human walking the earth is carrying to some extent, it gets really hard to hear the murmurings of your soul, of your higher self. And so I believe that is why there's so much time spent sowing discord about our differences, our superficial differences, like race, like religion. And they're encouraging an almost tribal perspective yeah. these days. Um, you know, fear your neighbor, 
watch them, um, you know, don't, don't trust in them, don't reach out to them. And it makes us that much easier to manipulate and turn against each other and ultimately control. Mm -hmm. Well, and from where do we get our guidance? Is it from authority figures that operate more like authoritarians? Or is it from a divine connection, a spiritual connection to something so deep that goes back to the heart of creation that we all have a birthright and connection to that we are deceived when we're told, no, 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 the only way you can get there is through, you know, you have to be a member here, you know, as opposed to having your direct divine experience born of, of creation of God or a creator of some kind. I know everybody has a different perspective on that. So how, how was it that you journeyed through from your young, young years as a girl growing up and being told you're demonic? Uh, to overcome that kind of, I don't know how to describe it. I didn't have that experience, thankfully, but at the same time you did and you have overcome it and triumphantly done extraordinary things. Oh, thank you. Um, it, it did not happen, happen overnight. <laughs> I remember, uh, so my family had been taking me to church my whole life and um, my father's side was more dominant. So we went to Catholic church, except on the rare occasion that my mom's side kidnapped us and snuck us into their church in hopes of indoctrinating us that way. I grew up in the middle of constant Bible wars. But uh, I would be in this church, and I grew up in the same church for many years, and every day, surrounded by people who really seemed to be happy to be there and uplifted. And all I ever felt was nausea, this overwhelming physical illness all the time, and I felt like something was um, it's almost like there was a hand on either side of my head compressing my brain. I was so uncomfortable and always confused. And the most confusing part was that everybody else seemed to be great. They were fine. Okay, maybe there is something. Maybe I am the weird satanic. <laughs> maybe something went terribly wrong. And so for a while, I believed it. And I started making myself very small. I wanted to be unobjectionable, acceptable. I thought, okay, if I keep my mouth shut, if I stop asking questions, maybe they'll stop being so terrible to me. And for a while, I thought it was working. Life was easier. And when they thought that I was going along with the program, they were a lot less cruel. But then I got very sick almost immediately. Um, and nobody really knew why. I was getting terrible, terrible migraines, vomiting for sometimes days and days. My parents thought I had a brain tumor. They were taking me to doctors and nobody could figure it out. But a part of me knew it's because I was selling my soul. I was suppressing everything that I was and came here to be. So um, this is a very long story, but the, the short version is after I got away from my family, um, after high school, I left for college. I started exploring everything I could. That's when I really started looking into uh, other religions, other systems of belief, all kinds of different ways of healing, different ways of eating. I got a couple different types of education. Uh, I knew that I wasn't seeing clearly, so I wanted to get as much information as I could in hopes that I would find myself in there somewhere. And um, I had a lot of great experiences. I did uh, some traditional things, some non-traditional things like mm -hmm. Landmark and Avatar and regular old therapy. And I feel like everything has something to offer. You can always find a little bit of wisdom or a truth that works for you and carry it forward. But nothing is ever going to solve your problem like transmuting your trauma. Mm. And I didn't learn that until I met my wonderful husband. And I'll mention this since he's already mentioned it on the air. <laughs> I think he'd be okay with it. But we both had some pretty severe trauma, um, sexual, physical, uh, it was a mixed bag. So 
in our relationship, and I feel like a lot of people have this experience where you enter a relationship and you find this person that you love more than anything in the world, but because love makes you vulnerable and you open those doors, you quickly start to mirror each other's trauma experiences as, as well. And all that comes screaming to the surface. And my poor husband had severe PTSD. Mm. Uh, I definitely had issues as well, <laughs> but I was so worried about him that I went looking for a healer. And uh, he had also tried a lot of the same things I had in terms of uh, you know, self-help and therapy and books and all kinds of stuff. And nothing really changed the experience enough to save our relationship. And one day I was with a friend of mine and uh, I was just heartbroken. I was at the end of my rope. I didn't know how we we're gonna make it forward because as much as we loved each other, we couldn't seem to get past our respective trauma from our childhoods. So my friend said, I know a guy you need to meet. I said, okay, great, <laughs> please. And he said, read his book first. He's a little out there. And so I ordered his book from Amazon and I didn't end up needing to read it. As soon as I saw his face, I had this very powerful resonance and soul recognition. I knew this guy. And here I am still thinking this is all about my husband. So uh, Joe went and spent a week with this man. And I could talk for years about what I saw change in him over the course of one week, truly was miraculous. But uh, the most brief way I can put it is I saw the light come on in his eyes for the first time in, in our lives together. And at that point, we'd been together for more than 15 years. And he had also had a dark entity attached to him since the day I met him. And I could always see it and I knew it wasn't his, but it, it was there always. And by Wednesday of the week he went in, this entity had moved off of him a little bit. And by Friday, it was gone. And I couldn't believe it. And, it, and there, was, there was so much more. He was present and beautiful. And the amazing soul I had always been able actually came out mm. to play. It was wonderful. And I thought, okay, I need to meet this person. <laughs> so I got myself to that guy. His name is Christopher Maher. And he taught me how way. to transmute trauma. His book is called Free for Life. Okay, thank you. Free for Life. And Christopher is a former Navy SEAL who had some, some experiences similar to what we're sharing uh, here. Very interesting, very dramatic experiences that um, journey. He's a very fascinating man. Um, aside from might my have to interview husband, him too. probably the most incredible human yeah, you know what? That would be amazing. He is remarkable, truly. Uh, and he has my gratitude forever. And he's helped so many people. It's certainly not just us. But my personal experience with him was beyond anything I could imagine was possible mm -hmm. on uh, on the earth plane until I'd experienced it. Wow. Uh, Brianna, you just almost speechless from your experience and I appreciate so much your, your candor and, and relating some of these things as well. And, and I know your husband has mentioned this too. So, um, I, I think about the experience, you know, through the Orthodox churches and religions, and, and I'm not here to bash and smash and trash any of them. That's not my point in doing so. And I don't think yours is either because I find that if people are living their highest ideals and they're attempting to be more Christ-like or loving, uh, I am inspired by those people and I am drawn to people who love God. That's just me, you know, whatever religious 
affiliation they claim or don't have. It doesn't matter to me so much as I see how they live or attempt to live, you know, that, that good life. Now, there's plenty of hypocrisy within the traditional Orthodox religions. There's hypocrisy within those that are non-affiliated. So that's part of life itself, I guess, in the learning phase and uh, getting through this. So I, I don't try to condemn people from where they're at. In fact, I've often brought this up. You can go into a church, a synagogue, a temple, a mosque, and begin to drill down on the beliefs of everybody in there. And you're going to find distinct differences in the way people believe in the same place, right? And, and sometimes you're like, wait, I thought we would believe the same thing. And you find out, well, you don't. And and yet we're all serving a different consciousness or living you know, in a different state of consciousness as it's designed to be. The question is, do we then declare war on people of different states of consciousness or do we try to inspire and uplift them to their greatest, highest ideal? Absolutely the latter. The truth is we have so much in common, despite the petty divisive politics of the day or different religions or really any superficial difference that can be observed. I believe that every single soul on the planet chose to be here at this moment. We're going through an incredible transformation as a species, as a collective consciousness. And each one of us is sorely needed. We each bring something precious to the table. And I feel like um, certain, and I don't want to say even certain religions so much as, let's say, certain religious houses, maybe certain religious leaders, because it really does come down to the individual, right? Um, like you said, not everyone believes the same thing, even within the confines of a particular doctrine. But some enjoy sowing discord. Some feel safer if they are constantly highlighting all of the danger out there in order to draw you close. Um, to me, that's an abject lack of faith. True faith is believing, and this, of course, is just my perspective on what real faith is, but it's the belief and the acknowledgement that every soul here is perfect, and we all came to contribute something different. And in some cases, that is abysmal behavior designed to highlight the breakdown of a system. And, and, that, and that took me a while. I was angry for a very long time at my family, truly. <laughs> and um, it's only been in the last several years that I've, I not only let go of that, but I realized, and this is just a personal illustration in case it, it helps. It's kind of an abstract concept, but I realized that the people in my family, they volunteered essentially to help me in that way. They, they volunteered to be totally awful to me, <laughs> to be uh, cruel, to be deeply unkind. But if they hadn't, I would never have learned to trust entirely in my own intuition, my own gut, my own faith, no matter what external pressures or environmental issues I was facing. And if I hadn't learned that lesson then, I can't imagine how I'd feel now standing in the face of nearly every system we have being exposed as completely corrupt, us finding out that our government not only doesn't want to support us, they might want to kill us. I mean, these things might be difficult to accept if I hadn't already done this. So I'm very grateful on the other side of it uh, to my family because, boy, they, they really handed me the world. I wouldn't have any idea who I am now if I hadn't gone through that. Brianna Ladipo, uh, going deep here with us on the Robert Scott Bell Show and uh, enjoying it <laughs> tremendously. Uh, Emerging from the Darkness, a spiritual memoir and guide back to the light. Uh, we have that linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. You can get it on all major booksellers, including Amazon. Uh, also, she has a personal website, Brianna, B-R-I-A-N-N-A, 
Ladapo, L-A-D-A-P-O.com. Uh, and it links to her, uh, what she does, energetic healing, coaching, authoring, speaking, and all of that. Sounds like people can uh, consult with you, in fact, uh, what I'm seeing on the website. Absolutely. Yes, I, I do work with one-on-one clients. I work with groups. Um, right now, I work with several nonprofits, um, mostly that deal with exploited and trafficked children to help heal those mm-hmm. kids. So, yes, I'm, I'm happy to work with really wherever I can be a service. This brings up one of the most controversial subjects you can ever discuss, and that is even what, what you said about your own family members. Had they not been mean and nasty and all the things to you, you wouldn't be who you are today. And I look back at my life having overcome a lot of health obstacles that I look back, the doctors and all the things they did to me that made me worse, not better. Now, I don't think and perceive and believe that they were trying to harm me. They were doing what they were trained to do, but it wasn't conducive to healing. Yet, I look back at all of those things. They made me who I am today. Had I not had those experiences and suffered, you know, accordingly, I wouldn't know the things I know. I wouldn't be motivated to do the things I do today. So I'm grateful for it. Yet, at the same time, you bring up one of the most contentious and hard to even discuss and acknowledge topics. Again, child trafficking. We have a new movie that just came out. We talked about the sound of sounds of freedom and, and things. And I, and I acknowledge that this stuff has been going on for thousands of years, that this kind of pattern of, of behavior. And we talked a little bit about, I, I forget, Super Don, who our guest was on the subject before the movie came out. But he, he talked about having to, you can go and capture and save the children, which is great, but it doesn't address the demand for that, which is, the people who were hurt as children, who were abused as children, sexually and otherwise, a small or significant, I don't know, or percentage of them end up doing the same thing to others, this pattern that repeats. And the question is, how do you get to those people, those children? Yes, but those people that have been harmed and that they are, have so warped reality that they would do that same harm to other children. Uh, and, and this is a big spiritual question because it goes to the heart of why do bad things happen to good people like these children? What do they do? And now you're having to expand beyond. This is where I say the reality of life extending beyond this one lifetime in this one body is important to discuss, even though I know it becomes very difficult for some because of the beliefs and dogma that's out there. But I think it's important to understand a karmic loop that, that continues and repeats and repeats until somebody decides to step off and go, I'm not going to contribute to this anymore. Absolutely. And that is the million dollar question is how do we end the cycle? And for this one, I can speak from my of a microcosm of what we're discussing. So my very first day with Christopher, the healer, I told him I basically unloaded every sexual trauma I could remember. And there were so many that I couldn't remember them all. And this is what we talked about for the first couple hours of our session that day. And he said, okay, the first thing we need to do is transmute that trauma and that frequency because you are calling it to you. And at first I was like, excuse me, are you saying this is my fault? I didn't react well. But of course, I didn't understand for, um, I I did get some understanding of it later that week, but it took me a couple years, I think, of work to fully embody what I know now which is that when something happens to you, any kind of trauma at all, be it you know sexual, verbal, physical, emotional, spiritual, anything like that, it creates an imprint. Uh, it creates a scar on your soul. And when we come in 
into earth, not only do we have to contend with all the scars we gather along the way in our own lives, but we also have to contend with all the intergenerational trauma that came before us through our ancestral line that nobody else ever transmuted. So it's no surprise to me that you know, here we are in, uh, it's 2023, I'm losing mm-hmm. track. <laughs> And unfortunately, rather than being better off as a society, making more progress, in a lot of ways, things seem worse. And the reason for that, from my perspective, is that we have had generation after generation of unhealed, worsening trauma piling one on top of the next. So if you take me, for example, I come from a long line of sexually traumatized women. That was definitely my birthright coming in. And then, of course, since that is the frequency I was putting out, it's like the bat signal. It's a beacon that you put out. It's not conscious, but it is what your soul is screaming out to the rest of the world. This is the experience I'm looking for more of. And, of course, I had no idea that I was generating this, that I was co-creating this experience because in my head, I'm I'm going to therapy, I'm playing it safe, I'm wearing very conservative clothing, I'm going to church, I'm doing the things that people tell you you need to do in order to avoid this experience. And it just keeps happening. And so the very, the first day that I got to Christopher's place, I, um, I approached his building, I was in my Uber, and I couldn't find the address on any of these buildings. And I realized that there was one building with no external address, and that's because it was under construction, and there were construction workers everywhere. And I realized I was going to have to walk through the middle of them to get to the front door. Mm-hmm. And my heart sank because I'd had that experience many times, and it went predictably. So, and I did... I did go through it. Awful things were said. It went exactly as I would have thought it did. Now, the only reason I tell you that, so I get into Christopher, I tell him all these things, and he starts transmuting this trauma. And at that point, I didn't even know what transmutation was. (laughs) You could have said any word to me, and I would have had no idea what he was doing. But as he started doing it, and I'm saying these words, I had a very strong soul recognition, and I knew that this was indeed the right path, so I just did it. So we finish up and we're about to break for lunch. And he tells me to go out into the world and see how I feel. I'm thinking, okay, felt like a meditation, but sure, I'm hungry. So I walk down the hall and call the elevator and the elevator doors open. And in this little tiny elevator that cannot hold more than two people is the construction worker who had been the most offensive to me on the way in, maybe two or three hours. And I'm thinking, oh, God. Do I take the stairs? I thought, no. So I get in. I kid you not. This man stared at the ground, then looked up almost shyly and said in a very tiny voice, I hope I'm not bothering you. Or is that what he said? I hope, I hope you don't mind me saying so, but you look very beautiful today. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, did something fall on your head? Do you not remember? Two hours ago you said a terrible thing to me I I thought walk out and I start walking and I was walking to lunch it was maybe a mile away and I had three or four subsequent incidences of that were very similar where I I walked either through a situation or encountered someone that once upon a time 
would have been terrible. I, people would have said something. Literally one guy who drove by me rolled down his window and inside I'm bracing myself because I think I know it's coming. He said, I hope you have a wonderful day. I was like, what is happening? What is going on right now? This so I trans- went back to Christopher. I said, what are you doing? Yeah. He said, we removed the trauma. Mm. It's not there anymore. He said, you're not going to have that experience again because it's gone. The transmutation was, and was that real. Has, it seemed to have manifested very rapidly. Yes. And this is the thing that uh, belies, I guess, explanation yes. easily uh, that if you simply change, uh, let's say, some level of vibration within you, law of attraction, however you describe it, uh, there is a, a different way the world interacts with you. And, and no longer is it drawing that out of others who are vulnerable to that you know, energy, if you will. And your, your energy shifted that quickly. And look what the experience wrought, you know, what, what happened, how fast that can happen. Now, uh, for those of you out there say, I, I, it never happens for me that quickly. Well, uh, uh, you know, these are the things that even yesterday's story or show that I did with uh, Ann Archer Butcher, I'd love to connect you to you. You would get along famously. And uh, talking about her head injury and all that transpired in that year with her husband realizing we need to create an, or co-create a new reality because they're telling me that you have to be basically institutionalized. You don't want to be, I don't want you. And it's like, how do we do that? Acknowledge the reality. Yes, you, this is where you are right now, but let's, let's change that energy. And it was a matter of saying we are healthier, happier, and wealthier than we've ever been before. And that went on for a 12-month cycle before it finally broke. Everything broke free for, through all the things happened. And you have to hear the story to, to experience it. So it wasn't like I went in for an hour or two with this guy, came out, and then everything shifted that instantaneously. So I want people to know the experience is unique for you, and it could happen that faster, faster, and it could be a longer time frame. You know, what took me two years in my intense first work to get well physically, uh, I can help people do in two months or less if they're ready and open for it because we've learned we can be more efficient. And there are people out there that are very well schooled in this, even if they haven't gone to an official school. That's interesting, too, uh, to consider. So how is transformation happening? How is it possible? And you've heard, you know, transformation happens or they can go, you know, what happens? <laughs> I tend to like to take it to the positive uh, direction. <laughs> yes, transformation can take so many forms. And like you said, it's a deeply personal experience and different for everybody. Part of the reason that I had such a powerful shift on that day in just a couple of hours I think it's a combination of the fact that I was really ready. I was very committed. I had been on a slower path for many years and was looking for something radical. And because my soul recognized this man, um, I, I already knew him as someone I could trust. So I was very open to the experience and that makes a difference. And also I've worked with a lot of healers. I, I'm a healer myself. This, this guy is the real deal. He is the most powerful healer I've ever worked with. Um, I would willingly recommend him to everyone. I, everyone has amazing gifts, absolutely. This guy is special. And so I think part of it was literally his presence. But um, I continue to work on my, uh, my own transmutation and clearing more energy all the time. And it's a little bit slower, but as I get better at it, it does go faster. But in terms of how to translate this to a broad scale and stop the cycle of, of child abuse and trafficking and these truly horrific issues that humanity is grappling with that I think most of us believed would never happen, certainly not on this scale, because it's so evil. We have to fix the walking wounded. We have to 
First of all, we have to return people's sovereignty because people have this idea that something else is responsible for their experience, whether it's, you know, blame your family, blame the government, blame this evil person who broke into your house. And that is not to say those experiences are not completely valid. Of course they are, but there's a bigger story, right? It's about giving your soul the opportunity to learn the lessons that you wanted to learn when you came here. And so people need to be reintroduced to the idea that we co-create our reality. So, and I know that's a big one. And like I said, when I first heard that, I was really offended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was people mad get at angry him. at that. And, and, you know, we talk about, again, yeah. law of attraction, uh, vibrational, uh, you know, like uh, attracting like in a sense. And the victim state of consciousness that you described, where we are never in control or in charge of anything in our life. We're just random, you know, happenstances, if you will. And that, for me is a horrible way to go through life. There are others that embrace it and are rewarded for it some way or another, emotionally or financially, et cetera. And there's a, you know, systems in place to kind of keep people in that state because if you are remain a victim, you're not going to victor. You're not going to be a victor in a sense. You're not going to overcome the challenges, the odds. You're going to rely on everybody else saying, oh, how how sad, how bad, um, and stick you in this place that you can never remove yourself from or never extricate yourself from or with help for those that are actually seeing you like you saw your husband to be, you know, beyond the wounds that he carried, you saw him soul to soul. And yet he still needed the experience to release himself from the trauma, just as you've described. And now, you know, look at what has happened in his life, in your life, in your life combined with the family. Uh, These are extraordinary triumphs over, you know, we could say great evil, certainly on one level, but at the same time, uh, repetitive injury, <laughs> wounds that never heal. Every time mm-hmm. we think we can, then we we scrape it and wonder why it doesn't heal again. And we're in self-inflicted by adopting a victim state of consciousness and never realizing there's grace, there's forgiveness. There's extraordinary ways to be gifted healing beyond that which is well, restricted even by what we talked about in the opening today, censorship by government. Yeah. And the powers that be have really encouraged that victim mentality because it serves them. Right? Humans are actually powerful creator beings, but almost no one remembers that because for, goodness, probably thousands of years at this point, they have been running the opposite narrative because it makes us so much easier to manage. If, if people remember what they're truly capable of, the last three years would never have happened. And we could certainly go back a lot farther than that. So. We need to help people heal their trauma, of course, and that can take many shapes. I mean, I do. I go over that in my book, ways to uh, tactical and practical ways you can actually raise your vibration, things you can truly do short of going and finding yourself a healer. And you can also go do that. Find yourself mm-hmm. a healer. Find what works for you. Honestly, my best meditations and my most powerful healing happen in the ocean because that's where I feel most connected. So everyone needs to figure out what that looks like like for that possible and the best part is when a person opens their eyes mutes a little bit of trauma it doesn't just change their world it changes their entire lineage both in the past their ancestral lineage and everything after it when you break the cycle of trauma and being wounded that's it you are giving a golden ticket to the next generation you're clearing a beautiful divine path of light uh, which, frankly, is what got Joe and I so serious is we started having children when our relationship was getting really difficult because all this trauma was coming up. And I thought, OK, 
We don't want to pass that to these precious beings. That's what was done to us. And again, not on purpose. People do the best they can. But we knew better, so we had to do better. And that's the point we need to bring everyone to. You are not helpless. You're so powerful. We've come to a place where, you know, I acknowledge how you you said these things. I kind of looked at it as kind of a reinforced amnesia, thousands of years of Dis- distancing people or disconnecting people or convincing people they are disconnected from the source of all healing, all wisdom, all knowledge, all of that. And the empowerment that comes with that, that power, the power of co-creation, I believe we were given that gift by God in addition to life, choice, agency. And there are many entities and, and individuals and entities on this planet, some of them religious entities that are trying to prevent us from embracing our divinity. Because what it means is we no longer need those power structures in the same way we once did when we were sort of told that we're victims. And, you know, then the power structure plays itself out through that consciousness or state of consciousness. I think that's always going to be here, too. I'm not uh, deluded into this uh, utopian ideal. I wish, yeah, it would be nice if everybody saw the things clearly. for what. But apparently this planet's not necessarily set up for that. At the same time, I'm striving, as, as I feel you are, too, to help others break the cycle. Or if I find myself in a cycle of repetition, can I, can I break it as well? Yes, absolutely. Like you mentioned earlier, for a long time, taking on the role of victim has been rewarded by our society, that that's what they wanted to see. And I believe that energy has shifted. Um, things move slowly mm-hmm. down here. It's a dense, dense plane of existence. So things don't always play out as quickly mm-hmm. as we would like. However, the energy that supported that way of being mm-hmm. is gone. And slowly, too slowly perhaps, but (laughs) slowly, we are moving into this much more cooperative, divine, love-based model where everyone is gonna have to make a choice. People are going to have to decide whether they want to languish in victimhood and allow their decisions to be made for them for essentially a false sense of safety in the world, a false sense of security, or whether they are willing to take responsibility for the incredible beings that they are, reclaim their sovereignty and start creating the systems they want to see. Because like you said, our systems are breaking down and it's quite messy. It always was. Our way of living was not sustained. We need to be working toward a world that works for everyone. And so I think the mistake a lot of people make, and I for a long time is trying to fix the broken system from within the broken system. And it can't be done. The only way to manage that is to step completely outside and create something new. And so so if we can just remind people, they are not just capable of this, they were made for this, we can turn this world. And I think a lot of people believe. Yeah. Well, Brianna, we are talking a lot about belief here. And uh, when you change your belief, you transform your entire world. And I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything other than to uh, attempt to be a living inspiration for others to do better and greater things as I've been inspired by others to do that too. And Brianna, you're certainly part of that now. And I welcome you back anytime. Maybe we can do one of those Sunday conversations with you pre-recorded because I can tell we have a lot of fun, a lot of things to talk about. Thank you so much for having me on and I would love
That's great. Well, we've got our Bridie on simulcast, so I've got to run here. But, uh, Brianna, love to your husband as well and your kids. And hopefully we can reconnect again on the air and off the air. And I appreciate so much and all the best with your book and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to meet you guys. All right, Brianna, you take care. Brianna Latipo. I don't see the countdown clock anymore, Super D. I know we're close, uh, but what this is one of those hours where I would have been totally lost, like on Friday when we were with Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. I just lost track of time. Uh, so thanks for keeping me on track. Uh, but uh, Brianna, very, very special soul here, as you can tell, in what she's doing, Emerging from Darkness, a spiritual memoir and guide back to the light, uh, married to Joseph Latipo, uh, Surgeon General of Florida. Now it makes a lot more sense to me how... He's able to do what he did. So thank you, Brianna. All right. We got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Counting down to the hour with our simulcast on Brighteon.tv right now. Hey, welcome, everybody. The Robert Scott Bell Show is on. This is our second hour. We've got a lot of healing to do, and I'm going to be talking health care, what it really is, what it really isn't, and the ways to, let's say, correct what we've done so far wrong that this isn't a condemnation. It's just a matter of, like I talked about last hour with uh, Brianna uh, Latipo. How do we break cycles? How do we break the dysfunction? How do we break even the abuse that's built into a system like modern medicine? Uh, that's part of what I want to do today on the show. So thank you for being here. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. For those of you who want to be in the, on the chat room live and on Brighteon.tv where we simulcast our second hour on Mondays. Thanks to Mike Adams and the crew from Brighteon.tv. Please do what you can to support them. Uh, you can engage in the things you hear about on the show or go to the Health Ranger store. And uh, all of that keeps the freedom of speech that we cherish so dearly here on this show and at Brighteon.tv going. So stand by. We'll be back after this because the power to heal is yours. How do we return medicine to the people and why should we? That's the uh, opening article I want to reference. Uh, it's uh, republished in The Defender by uh, author Charles Eisenstein. And uh, I, I found his substack directly. And I have to ask, is this the same Eisenstein family uh, that we knew so long ago with Dr. Mayer Eisenstein? Uh, it, it sounds like it. Uh, this Charles might be a, a sibling or offspring, uh, probably a younger uh, son or I, I don't know, but it's a fascinating article. And I hope that you'll read it. Um, and it talks about, um, you know, perspectives that many of you may have questions about is like, how did we get here and what can we do to make it better? And, and the, the difficulty here is, you know, politics or, or political views often get in the way of just having a, a conversation or two or 10, a debate, a discussion, even an argument over it that is spirited, but well-meaning and, uh, with the heart in which it is intended. Uh, do do I um, uh, condemn those that call for socialism? Not necessarily, although it can can be upsetting because I believe it to be a spiritually Im immature response. And, and and some of you may be offended by that if you're listening in Canada, maybe, maybe not, because you do have a full socialized system uh, in, in the single-payer Health Canada approach. Uh, those in England listening on UK Health Radio, you have your NHF. And in NHS, I'm sorry. And, you know, the idea is, well, it's just 
too darned expensive and I'm too darned sick. And so many people are so darn sick. There's just no way we can find our way out of this mess until we, and unless we share the cost across everybody, just give all your money or a bunch of it to a centralized bureaucracy, whether it be government, public, private partnership, whatever, and they'll dole it out and care for you better than you can care for yourself. That has become uh, uh, let's say a pronounced defect in, 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 I would call in the consciousness. And this is hard because I'm not calling you defective. If any of you believe this, I'm talking about uh, it kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a disconnect in terms of personal responsibility, individual responsibility and sovereignty, health, sovereignty, health, freedom. And for those of you who have adopted the idea that health freedom is better than health slavery, which you'd think, well, duh, Many people are clamoring and begging even to this day to be health slaves, which are not really health slaves. They're disease creation, disease management slaves. Even in America, where we pride ourselves on being free, freedom loving people, recognizing that there has been government sanctioned monopoly in medicine for over well over 100 years. And in that time frame, we have devolved from personal responsibility for our health and healing to look more and more for either corporations to provide what we call healthcare as a perk, which was born of, guess what, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and the establishment of the income tax, a key plank of the Communist Manifesto over the you know, early 20th century that said, oh, it'll only affect the super wealthy. And now it affects pretty much everybody who believes or perceives they are subject to that jurisdiction and they're engaged in, you know, how much do I get to keep, right? It's not how much you get to give, it's how much they let you keep every year. And that could change any moment, depending on who's in charge of that system. And so that also set up a system where you could not afford, quote unquote, to take care of your health. But it didn't happen overnight. The first thing was there were restrictions on how much you could be compensated or paid, perks, et cetera. And they said, oh, we're, we're going to limit that. The government centralized bureaucracies, whoever was controlling it or, or influencing it, going back in the history of progressivism, uh, maybe read Jonathan Emord's book on that. And you begin to see, oh, well, these companies wanted people that they now couldn't pay them what they wanted to pay them or what those people expect to be paid. And they said, well, here, how about this? We'll give you this perk, this freebie that's not uh, regulated out of existence. We'll cover your health care costs. Isn't that interesting? And, 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 in, and over the course of, of, of that, we have been deceived. We have been deceived into. Oh, by the way, he's no relation to Meyer Eisenstein. Okay, thank you, Super Don. I wasn't sure. I just don't see that name Eisenstein much, and guy's kind of holistically oriented. Uh, but I'm trying to relate a little bit about the history of how we got here. So over the course of the 20th century, it became almost an expected perk or part of if you work for somebody, they will cover your health care, or maybe they'll be, you put in a little bit, they'll put in a little bit, and how the government became more involved and entrenched. And guess what? Who was lobbying government behind the scenes to capture the agencies that promoted these agendas of third party payers insurance that would be private, semi-private, private public, or full on public in terms of Medicare, Medicaid, and other things, or socialized systems. In the meantime, moving you further and further and further away from responsibility for your health because you realize, hey, what do I have to do? I've got this coverage that they're giving me. They're taking a little bit from me. They're taking their give, and I I want to be able to use that. And what would it cover? It would cover something you have no deficiency in. That is drugs, FDA approved pharmaceutical drugs. This is the deception. Now, many of you have been born into the deception. I was born into it in the 1960s. It was already there, this concept of health insurance. But of course, nobody, uh, or for the most part, nobody knew 
uh, in America, with the rare exception of those who were grown organically and still knew of homeopathy and naturopathy and, and all the, the real the real healing, I would call it, or eclectic uh, herbal healing, uh, vitalistic views of the body that recognize we're not just a bunch of lump, a lump of chemistry, that we can manipulate the chemistry with synthetic chemistry that man creates. And so we've devolved over many generations now into belief that healthcare is beyond our means, beyond our accessibility, and only an expert class can do it. And we have to you know, pay them exorbitant sums that none of us can afford unless you're already uber wealthy. Well, this comes back to the statement by Joel Salatin, the farmer, the Christian libertarian, as he calls himself. If you think organic food is expensive, have you priced cancer lately? But the statement is inherent to a belief system that the food that is not organic, the food that is corrupted and chemically altered, contributes to something that the established authorities, whether it be at government, medicine, media levels, don't acknowledge. Well, they do, the, they pay lip service to it. That is the idea that if you ate cleaner food, you are less likely to manifest or maybe not likely at all to manifest something called cancer, for instance, which has become one of the most profitable industries as we've seen our economy devolve into a healthcare or disease creation, disease management economy. 15% or more in growing of the GDP is not necessarily going to the military industrial complex. I don't know what that percentage is. I haven't investigated that before I went on the air, but 15 or more percent in rising is going into the medical industrial complex, which is kind of aligned very much with the military one. Sometimes you don't know which one is more deadly. In reality, in many cases, the medical one is because it, it comes in under the guise of, I'm here to help you. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to, you know, but the military one is I'm here to kill people and break things. It's pretty, it just says what it is. Now, the question is, why are so many people on the left, political left so enamored with war? As Bobby Kennedy, who comes from that tradition, not enamored with war, but saying to his fellow liberals, if you can call it in a modern context, you know, why? Why are you buying into this? Well, that's the neocons, which we thought in the early 20th century, 21st century, after 9-11, that was primarily the Republican neocons, right? Turns out it had nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. It was whoever they had captured. And in that same concept of conquering, we are witnessing the conquering of our own bodies, our individual sovereignty, our nation, if you will, that body, that, that, that constitution that it carries, is being turned over to a, a ruling elite ruling class of medical morons. I, yeah, I said it. It's not nice. Some people say, well, that's not nice. You shouldn't say it. I'm like, well, sometimes you got to be in your face on this thing, especially, you know, look, I was cutting my teeth in talk radio. As Super Don knows, we've been together, what, 18 years through talk radio prior to that. You know, I started this show now you know, 24 years or so ago. And one of the things about talk radio is that it tends to be in your face. It tends to be more direct. And I'm a sensitive guy and I don't like to pile on things, but sometimes you got to call it out for what it is. And that could be of great service because it could shake people from that slumber or stupor to go, what, what did he say? What did he call me? And maybe just, maybe you'll be thinking about it instead of just yelling back at me. How dare he? <laughs> because it isn't done with the intent of denigrating you, but maybe to go, hello, did you notice this over here? You know, these are my experiences to get me to this, if for lack of a better way, say state of consciousness. And, uh, you know, I, I got a comment. I'm just looking at the chat room for a moment. And Super Don, you can open up your mic and chime in here. I'm just uh, riffing off of the, the articles that you threw at me today, and I love them, this particular one. Um, Lori Harvey says, Obamacare was ridiculously expensive. I would have been working just to pay for insurance for me and my daughter. Remember, Obamacare was 2010, 100 years after the 1910 Flexner Report. 
set the stage a century later where they would mandate your participation in a system of disease creation and disease management machinery. When we first met Super D in radio, you're like, what the hell is this guy saying? <laughs> and maybe I think I think was, I'm making sense it, by now. It was different. You know, yeah. I had grown up. Health Talk Radio was uh, was uh, uh, Dr. Dina Dell because I grew mm -hmm. up in the Bay Area. And so that was the health show. Right. Yeah. You know, that's what I thought it would be. And I heard you and I was just like, well, I didn't just hear you because I was working at the network. I, I ended up working with you yeah. and, and you were saying stuff I'd never heard before on radio yeah. about the FDA and how they, they were, were corrupt. And, mm. and then you start explaining why, and it was kind of like, whoa, hey, I kind of, I, that, that makes sense, but nobody else is talking about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And your music sucked, and I had to fix that for you. But, uh, <laughs> you just still don't like Neil Diamond. What's wrong with you? Dude, you were playing, f you were rocking the health world, yes. playing can like stuff with flutes and violins. I'm like, what, what is this? Did you almost say Kansas? Because I, I did you, say, well, it was them Kansas. fighting words. Well, I'm sorry, but don't some of that music Kansas. was like, I was like, come on, man, let's rock the health world. <laughs> You're in trouble, man. Now I'm now I'm part yes, of this. Yes, and you did. Picture. You brought the metal to the Robert Scott That's Bell right. show. As I was detoxifying the heavy metal, you brought the heavy metal music. That's right. Until my mom got a hold of it. Now it's Mickey friendly. Years music. later, I know. I tamed things down, but we got old. <laughs> we got it out of our system. <laughs> Maybe, but then Michael Bolden has this metal kind of intro that's like That's so true. Cool. Yeah, that's true. It's got it me works. a little bit jelly, as they say. But uh, I'm teasing, but I, but uh, anyway, this is a, again, this is a, a journey that I think is, is this guy is writing this Eisenstein guy is writing about it and, and kind of looking at natural holistic therapies. And it's like, they're not ever part of the equation. As I pointed out, even today with all of the things that the medical community got wrong about COVID, they're only looking to invite for the most part to the discussion table for the next phase, the same medical people, but some of whom are now right or correct because they've learned a hard lesson, but they haven't, you know, been battle tested over decades or centuries of those who have thought forms that uh, derive from a more uh, energetic view of reality as opposed to a reductionist chemical view of reality. And their training is still a flexion report school. This is not to denigrate any of them either because I welcome them over. But the question is until when it happens where we're all at the table talking about the stuff, are we really going to do better? except marginally around the edges yeah i wouldn't hold your breath on that one um mm -hmm. unfortunately but yeah that's just you know listen you you've when you have got a government that's out of control and corrupt mm -hmm. uh partnering with uh a, a pharmaceutical industry which is out of control and corrupt yeah and married to each other uh it's you know it's one of those things it's just it's too, at this point too big to fail yeah. it's never going to be allowed to collapse unless it has no choice right right until then this is the reason why so many people have tried to get in there and and change it and have failed is because mm -hmm. the system's rigged yeah it is it's only weird anomalies like the pandemic quote mm -hmm. pandemic right yeah. where they suddenly they don't have that control and it's just a perfect storm and suddenly everything, you know, the, 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 shook the, it loose. the, the sunlight breaks through and, and people see it for what it really is, mm -hmm. which, you know, we, we have this conversation. We had this conversation with the previous guests when we were before we were on the air yeah. talking about how, man, you know, I mean, the, the, the government who thought they were in control could not have done us a bigger favor yeah. than doing what they did, trying to, to suppress information and censor people and mandate people and all that stuff. 
it completely blew up in their face. Yeah, and we're, and it connected we're, people. It connected people that would never have been connected before, and it true. grew the ranks of of critical thinkers. You could mm-hmm. not have have made that situation happen. We're we're in the midst of the great unraveling. I think I like that. that. I, I like I like that better than the great awakening. Yeah, I like the great, that. The, the the great, great unraveling. unraveling. I haven't heard it said. It just came through now. So if you want to credit me with it, that's there great. you go. It's you got to trademark that real quick. The great unraveling. Now that that sounds like oh that's bad, but in reality, the only way we can sometimes transform and, and move towards something that actually will make sense and work for us is to unravel that which we were entangled in for so long. And this Charles Eisenstein article, and he has a Substack on this. You know, sometimes he, the headline actually reads in his article the upside down privilege narrative in alternative health because. Very often you'll hear it's an elitist thing to be able to go to a natural health provider or eat organic food. And, it, you know, it's, it's fascinating, but this is how they use the words, the language, much like calling me or any of us anti-vaxxers as if that, you know, stung us uh, in, in reality. Of course, I don't mind wearing the label, although I realize it's done pejoratively. But now that's not having the same sting as it once did. I was going to say, have you noticed that just really that, you know, they don't use that much. Some, I mean, it's still used, but it doesn't have the power that it used to have. Not at all. It doesn't. No. But if we look at, you know, where they're going, right, with the article in Forbes that you shared, and this is all in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. This is why you want to sign up for the newsletter Superdon sends out. You'll be wanting more newsletters. That's the way Superdon does it. Always leave them wanting more. (laughs) But sign up at robertscottbell.com. It's free. We don't sell your addresses or anything like that, uh, but partake in that, participate in it. There's upcoming events we'll talk about and other deals you can get for you know those that support us with their messages as well as their products that we use. Per, I use personally and so does Superdon. But the idea of eating cleaner food and supplementing your diet while out of pocket and expensive relative to what you think you're getting through insurance schemes. Back in the 1990s, they had assessed that more people were paying more money out of pocket than they were for, you know, for natural medicines or alternative medicines, they call it, then were being paid, you know, for quote unquote, traditional or allopathic medicine. So already in the nineties, things were shifting. This is why it was so imperative to usher in Obamacare by 2010, because they needed to remove the escape clauses. People were leaving without permission. Right. And so here now, well, we've got you now. And so socialized medicine would be like that. I see a a comment, uh, let's see earlier up here, uh, from Mark, he says, uh, accepting socialism is allowing yourself to become a slave to the state. Uh, I think arguably most people in America are already slaves to the state, even if it's not a full on socialized system. On just one level or another. Huh? Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, this is again, I'm not uh, accusing anybody of any. I'm just stating some what I think might be considered obvious to some, but not to others. So the article informs, I don't know how much time we have before the uh, Bridie on break, but... Got about five and a half minutes. Okay. So this article from Forbes says, how the U.S. government can solve the obesity epidemic. This is by an MD, medical doctor by the name of Robert Pearl. And uh, it's so, uh, let's say, unconscious about what's transforming, yet without any irony, without a wink or a nod, this guy is serious, apparently how the U.S. government can solve the obesity epidemic. And it basically is, let's put $4 billion into a a warp speed drug research on obesity medicines like Ozempic, but let's make them better so they don't go to Ozempic face and they don't have other problems from it. 
It's not to do with, hey, you know what? If you want, how about investing $4 billion into everybody uh, uh, able to, to grow their own food at home, to set up community gardens in inner cities and food deserts? <clears throat> how about that as a real health care? If you're, if you're into investing through collectivism, okay? I think if people could keep their money, they might be able to afford the things that would actually help them. But uh, maybe I'm utopian in that concept as well. You can let me know what you think. Uh, just uh, chime in in the chat room. And there are a lot of people doing so today, and I appreciate that. Um, but <laughs> this guy is actually, because of the obesity epidemic, he's like, hey, man, let's just invest a billion, four billion dollars. I love this article because basically he just rolls out mm -hmm. the perfect plan that would come from the big pharmaceutical playbook yeah. on, on how, how can we make a bunch of money off of this thing, which they're, which they're already doing, really, mm -hmm. with this Ozempic thing. Yeah. Oh, man, they're making it's big gone books. Yeah. bonkers. And, yeah. and it's just yeah, everybody's wanting to come out with their own version of Ozempic. But he, mm. he, he really he lays it out here and he goes, uh, the U.S. government can lead the way. Mm -hmm. Well, they'll do something similar to Operation Warp Speed. Yeah. Right. Use that mm -hmm. as the, the model. Mm -hmm. We'll call it Operation Slim Provisions. <laughs> and uh, it's going to put $4 okay. billion dollars up front. Mm -hmm. uh, the the uh, government's going to sponsor health programs. Medicaid, Medicare would make the medication available to all obese enrollees. Now, keep in mind, and it says here, roughly 60 million people. Mm -hmm. You know, obese is, is, is an interesting term. You know, who is actually obese? How, how, yeah. how overweight do you have to be to be obese? But they would roll this medication out for, for 60 million people at least for 10 years to start because this is a lifelong medication. This is not something you take and then it's like, oh, I've, I've lost some weight and I feel better now and then you can stop taking it. This is something you mm -hmm. take until the day you die. Mm -hmm. And and this would all be government funded. And it's like, oh, look, if we do this, we have solved the obesity problem. Look, look, look at us. We yeah. saved your life. Now, never mind the fact that whatever pharmaceutical company got involved in this has made trillions not billions, trillions of dollars on this situation. Yeah. Uh, but the government got their fingers in it too, didn't they? Mm -hmm. And Mark now what? Up. You've got 60 million people dependent on the government right. to keep mm -hmm. the weight off, right? With a drug that they say has little or no side effects. It's safe. In the article, he says it. Medications that are safe already like Ozempic. Yeah. Obamacare, according to Mark, forced him to learn how to actually heal because of being self-employed, he can no longer afford health care. Remember, Obamacare was supposed to be affordable. But apparently not. But it wasn't health care. It was a mandatory participation in insurance schemes to cover only one form of medicine that is not healing crisis intervention. Now, if we had access to all forms of medicine in a free market, the prices would inevitably come down and become affordable. In fact, many people would be able to know how to heal themselves without even having a practitioner intervene, except in circumstances where it's appropriate. And then you'd likely have more money to be able to do that should you want to exchange your good services, you know, in whatever way you want. And you get to decide how you want to do that too in a free, in a true free market. Right. Uh, now, Many people are under the delusion that, you know, it's freedom that got us into this mess. No, it's not. It's the abandonment of freedom that got us here. And it's the purposeful capturing of government and government agencies under the guise of freedom, right? The deception. And this is where I call out Republicans because very few Republicans who claim, you know, to be for freedom actually acknowledge that we live under a medical monopoly. And that would actually endorse and support like when Jonathan E. Moore becomes the next U.S. senator from Virginia and he puts legislation forward to free 
to bring freedom back, right? To bring the constitution back. And they're going to say, oh no, that can't be done. That's too, you know, any number of excuses will be made partly or significantly because they're being lobbied and paid not to uh, go for freedom. Uh, so this is a classic case of the dominant consciousness that may still exist, even though we are in the great unraveling, there's still a lot of holdover that we're seeing here. And that Forbes article is representative. Of it. So let me know what you think. We're at robertscottbell.com. Sign up for uh, the newsletter there. And also, you can become a patron supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We do monthly AMAs via oh, Zoom. Oh, we just we got a new. Uh, well, I'll mention. When this we, when come we come back, back we're going to welcome yeah. our new patron supporters, and we'll let you know maybe That's when right. we're going to do our, our next Zoom AMA right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show live on Brighton TV. Okay, in theory, we are on a break yes. with Brighton, uh, so we can say thanks as well to those new patron supporters. As well. let me look at the calendar here while we're on this break and maybe figure out when we could do our next AMA. It's a crazy busy month, believe it or not. July has got even busier. Uh, let's see. What is my calendar? There it is. I see it. Okay. What are we looking at for a possibility? 28, 29. Uh, you know well, what? This month I got 29th for Saturday. Yeah. You know, we might have to do another Saturday, two in a row, but we did two weekdays in a row. What about uh, the ninth? The what? That was yesterday. Can we go back in time? Why would you want to do that? Okay. No, you can't go back in time. All right. Actually, that in was Sunday. Mind. Never mind. Monday. <laughs> we could do the 24th. That's a Monday. Um, it's coming right off of Maho. Yeah. Um, I'm coming back. Or the that 31st. Night. That's a Monday. That's still in, in July. still in the date. Okay. Do you want to do that? Let's do the 31st. Let's do Monday. You want to do a Monday night? Okay. Yeah. 31st. So July 31st looks like will be our uh, next AMA. It'll be 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific. Unless I get a lot of objections from our patron supporters that say, no, 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 we need it to be Saturday the 29th, and I'm willing to change it. But we'll pencil it in for the moment. So you guys let us know for the, 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 those of you use, use guys that are part of our patron support group. And even if you join in late or after, just like a couple of people may have just done, uh, you get access to all of the Zoom AMAs, just except for the like three of them I think we got, got terminated by YouTube, even though they were private and hidden. Hey, thank you all for here. I'm just like trying to keep up with the uh, chat going on today. It's pretty, pretty rocking. Yeah. Well, here's another comment from Mark is just going all over it today. Um, Robert Scott Bell, organic food is not subsidized like KFO food. So that's another reason it's so expensive. Also, this is DJ Katie, my husband's name. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Just, thank you. Now I understand all kinds who that's of, coming from. All kinds of dis all uh, online disguises there. Yeah, that's funny. All right, so we're coming back in uh, 20 seconds or less, yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll say thanks then <clears throat> at that point. But yes, the the fact is the cost of food is is artificially reduced via subsidization through CAFO farms. So the real cost of food is closer to what organic would be without subsidy. Uh, or grow your grow your own and print your own money by growing your own food. All right, welcome back, everybody, here simulcasting our second hour on Monday's show on TV. Please say thanks to Mike Adams and the crew and support them in any way you can. Uh, it's a real uh, last bastion for free speech here, as you know, that uh, last hour, first hour you missed, maybe. Uh, we had uh, uh, Brianna Latipo, who's the wife of Joe Latipo, the Surgeon General of Florida, who we've had on before as well. Terrific hour, really getting into uh, consciousness and um breaking free of victim states of consciousness, especially when it comes to repeating patterns of behavior that are abusive, including we, we got into the most controversial of them and the, the whole uh, uh, child exploitation and trafficking issue. 
Uh, but there's a lot more to it than that, but it's pretty extraordinary. So go back and listen if you hadn't seen it or heard the show. Our Sunday broadcast with Ann Archer Butcher was phenomenal in how to overcome impossible odds, including those the doctors say, well, we're just going to have to institutionalize you. And a year later, you're doing things you couldn't do before. How is that possible? Catch the Sunday conversations on the Robert Scott Bell Show at robertscottbell.com slash listen or on Rumble uh, where – it didn't go out on Rumble Live, unfortunately. I don't know what happened yesterday, but it's up there now, yesterday's show. Yes. Yeah. So I want to take an, uh, just a moment here to mm. welcome our newest pat- Patreon member, Tracy White. <laughs> Joined us uh, yesterday. Was it? Or maybe it was this morning. I think it was this well, morning. Thank you, Tracy. Appreciate yeah. that. Look forward to seeing you on the next AMA if you can make it. Uh, we do a Zoom AMA, Ask Me Anything, uh, once a month. Uh, we did, well, technically we did the July 1st date because we couldn't fit one in june but that was the june one so we're going to do another one in july right now we're looking at the 31st which is a monday so should i put this on the calendar or should i wait Uh, well go ahead and pencil it sounded kind of wishy-washy you know what i'm just i'm leaving open the possibility that we'll move it to the 29th if i put it on the calendar it's on the calendar yes but it can still be moved if i'm not saying we will but it's just an option just don't throw it out there i'm just having that sense about it possible tentative tentative 31st of july which is a monday and if we get enough pushback to say, no, 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 we need it to be, we'll hear you. And then we'll maybe move it to the 29th. But again, just a couple of days and then we'll decide for sure. You should rule with an iron fist. Come on, man. Yeah, I love to do that. The authoritarian be all me, right, comes right out. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank so you. So if it you. does happen on yeah. uh, that Monday, it'll be four o'clock Pacific time. Yes, correct. That is correct. All right, so we've talked about how the government wants to solve the obesity crisis, according to that article on Forbes. It's, uh, you know, warp speed for new Ozempics, right? Yet uh, this hugely popular weight loss drug, including Ozempic and others like that, uh, now they're saying, oh, my gosh, it's another drug category that may cause suicidal thoughts. Oh. Yep. And well, Europe is investigating. That's according to this article. So let's see. We've got, <clears throat> we've got uh, hair falling out. Mm-hmm. We've got um, being miserable because you hate food. Mm-hmm. We've got violent diarrhea. And now we've got possible suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, I, I totally understand why people are spending, you know, uh, $1,500 a month out of their pocket to take this, this like, drug. I mean, who would not want all of those things? People that uh, don't want to, let's say, recognize how indeed. They could transform their life and their health without big pharma. You get without, Ozempic face, yeah, yeah, right. You look like a mummy. Mm-hmm. Um, you get Ozempic butt. Mm-hmm. You know, your cheeks are flopping around. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there are so many good things about this drug. I can't. There's a shortage. I mean, they can't even get it. You've got you've got uh, these these compounding pharmacies that are sitting there trying to to make uh, copycat drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, to it because people are scrambling to get this stuff. Yeah. And now you've got, it's Novo Nordisk is the, the company that makes this drug. Right. Now they're they're working on it and they're expecting to have it in a pill form because right now it's injectable. There's injectable, a lot of people yeah. that yeah. won't do it because it's injectable. They don't want to, I don't want to do that, Super right? D, you know how it, it, it everybody's got their burden to bear, whatever that might be. And for some it is obesity, weight issues. How much of it is involved in terms of what you eat how much you eat 
and things like that. There are other metabolic issues like deficiencies, we would argue, the minerals that are not there in the food, you know, compounded by you eating more refined carbs that have no minerals, for instance, or, or the fear of fat, which doesn't make you fat. There's a lot of issues there. The lack of exercise. I mean, any number of these things, I, ca- I guess I can get why people would rather take Ozempic, especially if it's covered Dude, by insurance. The, the, yeah. uh, the exercise in a pill is the holy grail the pharmaceutical industry has been working on trying to figure out for mm-hmm. years. And this is the reason why you are seeing so much activity on this is because they feel like they got it. They feel like yeah. they found it. And people want it so bad mm-hmm. that they're willing to pretty much do anything they can do to get it. I, I guess this is a foreign concept to me again my my health challenges were different than weight issues although for me it's the opposite i mean my struggle was how do i put weight on uh and now i've you know i've been doing it in fact with the super creatine in addition to my cardio miracle every morning dude i'm telling you this is like uh hugged my wife the other day and she's like whoa you're bigger. There's more of you. you know, so, yeah, it was like she noticed, like, whoa, look at that. Boom, chicka, wow, wow. Not just imagining things. So um, He's a stud. The fact is doing it in a way that does not denigrate and destroy your health or your liver or anything like that. Is that too much to ask for? I guess for some that only want it to be covered by insurance, yeah, it's too much. But as I tried to relay in the opening of, of the second hour of today's show, Super D, and I don't know how well I'm, I'm doing it. I've been trying to do that for years to relate that the wrong headed notion that the government or government sanctioned monopoly medicine, whether it's covered by insurance schemes or not, is actually something that could restore your health through a magic pill, like the magic weight loss pill. There are always quote unquote unintended consequences, side effects or direct effects that are not marketable like Ozempic face. Right. But people are clamoring for it because apparently it's worth it to them to not have to exercise and eat right. To just get the pill, even even with all the untoward effects that it has. And I guess this is where big pharma has it in spades because they realize most people don't apparently want to take responsibility for their life and their health. So they'll eat up whatever you can sell them, especially if it's covered by third party payers insurance schemes that are bankrupting the nation and a lot of people. And then they say, well, no, what would bankrupt us if we all had to get our own natural met remedies and all had to eat clean, organic food? And it's like, wow, we are so far off base. But this is part of the great unraveling, as I've coined it today, somehow. And here's, here's I think, the reality of the situation. And, I, and this is not, a, I'm not going to make a blanket statement. Mm-hmm. I think there are some people out there that uh, would take this pill because mm-hmm. they do have a genuine problem. Mm-hmm. And that in some ways... And I'll be honest. I, I think honest. In some ways, you know, if you were hundreds of pounds overweight and you managed to drop some weight with this thing, mm-hmm. it, it, it's on the one hand, yes, you've lost some weight. Is that going to benefit you in some way? Probably. Yeah. Okay. But I think what you're finding here, and if you look, read the stories, the articles on this Ozempic, the people that are taking this thing are not taking it because they want to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's out of vanity. That yeah. they're taking this this pill, good point. Because they're not changing they're they're not changing their lifestyle. They're not changing the way that they eat. In fact, the reason why they're losing a lot of the weight they're doing they're losing is because they're not eating. Mm-hmm. Because the the Ozempic is an appetite, appetite suppressant, yeah. and it makes them not like food. Yeah. So it, it's not like they're taking it and and they're becoming Jack Lalanne. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're taking it simply from a vanity standpoint, mm-hmm. and they can go look at me. I can fit into the swimsuit now. 
This is the reason why in Hollywood, this is where this whole thing started because when it was initially put out there as a, as a diabetes drug, you could you had you had to get it for diabetes, or you had to have somebody or know somebody, or mm-hmm. you could be able to pay for it. And that, there aren't a lot of people that can they can afford fifteen hundred dollars a month, uh, you know, for this this pill. So right, it's a vanity right. thing, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion. Look, I'm not going to argue with you on that. Uh, vanity is a pretty strong motivator, uh, but here's a good know, analogy, Robert. Go ahead. Steroids. Mm-hmm. Guys working out, taking steroids bodybuilders and stuff like that the steroids will kill you if you i mean you know th- those yeah. are dangerous things they'll give they'll you cancer you yeah you know a lot of people have heard of or may even know people that have been damaged by taking steroids now when the guys are taking those steroids do they know that it, that there's a risk in taking those yeah is it terrible does it destroy the, your, your organs and 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 cause all kinds of of health problems absolutely a lot of those guys didn't didn't stop taking it. Why? It was a vanity situation. Yeah. Right? Well, look, I'm just going to tell you right now, these muscles are getting bigger, not those, steroids. Those are 100% organic, organic non-GMO muscles there. Yeah, and super creatine has been helping from uh, Nutritional Frontiers. And I wouldn't take creatine for years because of their, it just was not balanced. But they balanced it out with this formula. I can't even read you all of it. But you guys check it out. I, it, last month, we talked to Jamie Dorley about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. And it is really, I've, I've been able to put on muscle weight without harming my liver or any other system in the body. I'm still doing, obviously, the cardio miracle every morning as well and other things. Now, in terms of, uh, we had a comment from Steve uh, about Ozempic killing people, killing their body, losing weight by killing their body. And also, uh, let's see, DJ Katie uh, says this, I'd rather, through her husband's account, I'd rather take whole food vitamins like uh, gluco sugar balance that we get from Jonathan at choose to be healthy.com. That's food research form. And also the innate response selenium and the alta silica, uh, because these are the things that are truly lacking in our diet. And, and even if we're eating clean foods, organic foods, they're not as rich in those minerals. And, and so these are things that we can do that I believe are very affordable or relative to the cost of disease including cancer and other things are very affordable by investing in your health truly. And then of course you might have to budget differently. You go, all right, we've been spending it here. We're going to shift over here. And as I did that so many years ago, not far out of college, I didn't have much extra money at all to do that. And yet I, you know, found that I was able to get by every month and, you know, obviously I shifted some things, but right now compared to when I started eating organic in 1990, you know, you have some wilted lettuce and some bean sprouts and tofu in the health food stores. You got full on organic sections at Costco and major uh, retailers everywhere. And I'm not saying it's the ideal and it's as good as it once was, you know, generations ago. But there are people that are doing it right. There are farmers that are doing it right. And there are many of you who have become your own farmer. And Superdon is even gardening and having some great success. You know, oh, my plants are just really starting to take off, dude. I can't, I can't believe how quick melon uh, vines grow. Mm-hmm. Like overnight, they grow like six inches. It's crazy. It's amazing. Tomatoes are taking off. Yep, it's good, good stuff. So I'm, I'm really uh, excited about it this year. Can we do some upcoming events this weekend? We're going to be at the uh, RSB Family Union in Joplin, Missouri, at Leslie's place. It's actually happening this weekend. If there are any last-minute attendees who want to come, you're going to have to reach out to Leslie. I don't know if, uh, what's going to happen there, but no, I'm excited. We're going to have some some great reunions uh, there. And then the following weekend in Columbus, Ohio, Maho event, 
But before that, the homesteading series, she says, uh, Jocelyn Whitaker from Whitaker's Natural Market. Uh, that is happening uh, just outside, I think an hour outside of Columbus on the fr on Friday night, that Friday night, the 21st of July. And uh, we've got more events after that. The Maho I mentioned. Uh, let's see what else is coming up after that. That is, is it the Red Pill Expo? Good Lord, it I got to make my, my arrangements uh, very soon. Uh, let's see. Yep, Red Pill Expo followed by the Cancer Control Society. That's in uh, Glendale, California. I think you were talking about maybe hooking up with my our, our friend Michael Bolden maybe when you're down there. Oh, for sure. If he's yeah, around, if he's, right? If he's not running off to somewhere with a back that is so we'll be all better by then, I hope. So <laughs> Michael want to see you all better. The Biomed Expo coming up in Vegas September 14th through the 17th. Isn't there some kind <clears> of special <throat> deal on that? I think I saw I think I just forwarded something to you. And and that's the kind of thing I think you sent out an email blast. Maybe you can include that in the next email blast like as part so of the newsletter. They have created a 35% discount code. Mhm. Mm uh for september oh for the event i guess so it's september mm -hmm. 14th through 17th 65 days to go the discount code is david so if you want to just run over there and get your tickets now just click on the link it'll take you to the eventbrite uh, uh, uh page to get your tickets mm -hmm. and if you use discount code david yeah that gets you 35 percent uh, off the tickets mm -hmm. that's pretty good very cool yeah yeah very cool so biomed expo is happening then we have uh the uh, 10th year anniversary for Healing Strong. That'll be in Houston. And that's the uh, 29th and 30th of September. And then we have a professional training event in Pittsburgh with Nutritional Frontiers. And that's uh, the 6th, 7th, 8th of October. Same, simultaneous to that in Utah will be the Your Health Freedom Gallon Symposium. Christian Chevrier is putting that on. Pierre Corey and others will be there. And that's coming up. And then we got the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com, October 14th and 15th. And that's outside of Chicago Tinley Park Convention Center. And that just is a, it's a barn burner in a wonderful way. And then we have a big uh, event happening November 3rd, 4th, and 5th in Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona. And I think Children's Health Defense is having something in Savannah that weekend, too. So depending on where you can be, East Coast, West Coast, we want to give you options. I'd like to be at all of them. Uh, I can't be everywhere, but I try. So thank you for indulging us in the upcoming events tab at robertscabell.com. We also have... Uh, ask you to support those that support us as well as supporting your health with Folium PX. A couple of uh, Sundays ago, we had Dr. Judy Mikovits and Bob Reorin, and that was a fantastic discussion of the place for not only Folium, but other things, but foliumpx.com, a uh, three-pronged approach with the Folium Original, Folium Immuno, and Folium uh, Relax. And this will help, I believe, break through if you've hit a ceiling in your healing. The breakthrough will be this folium PX. Dude, you need to yeah. you need to like use that in something yeah. like this. if you've reached a ceiling in your healing, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give foliumpx.com a, a reach and uh, get that. Use the code RSB10 to get 10% off. Of course, you can use uh, RSB15 to get 15% off anything Nutritional Frontier sells, including their on-sale items. They're doing Christmas in July this month as well. And, uh, of course, Trinity School. There's so many other awesome things. And Superdon has on, on the More tab, M-O-R-E, More. You can see uh, discount codes for everything that we use, promote, want you to plug into so that you get the best deal possible, including the Cardio Miracle. Uh, so that that is also yes, coming the, up. The More tab, M-O-R-E. Don't mm -hmm. click on the Michael Moore tab, though. You yes, don't want no, that one. I don't think we have that tab, do we? It's a different Yeah, different <laughs> yeah definitely different. Uh, let's see. We got... Uh, we did the Ozempic stuff. 
Oh, look at that. Are we, we're podcasting, aren't we? This is considered. We are. We, we are podcasters. We're yes. video podcasters and audio podcasters simultaneous to that. And uh, according to Yahoo News, uh, the U.S. podcast misinformation, it goes largely unchecked. I, um, I mean, every time I see something out. like this, I zero in on this for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. They really, and when I say they, I'm talking about the same people that were wanting to try and censor us mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Uh, they, they still have not quite cracked down on podcasts. Yeah. They've been able to get to, uh, you know, things like YouTube, mm -hmm. and they've got a good handle on radio shows and things of that nature. But podcasts, they, they haven't quite been able to. Other than, you know, us being banned on Spotify, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like that. true. That's true. Uh, and, but, you know, our broadcast won't reach LinkedIn anymore. Of course, as you mentioned, YouTube. But you're right. They haven't contained or constrained it. Now, of course, they're desperate to try and find a way to, to shut us and all of us, our friends down. That's why, you know, being here on TV, and, you know, that's why you guys got to support them too, is uh, part of the, the role, you know, that we all play in being able to disseminate information that may be unpopular, but probably more correct than that, which is coming from government me medical media mouthpieces. Um, misinformation about everything from election fraud to COVID-19 vaccines is reaching millions of Americans. You know, the fact is we've been right. They've been wrong. I don't know if you saw, um, what's the guy's name? Rusty Rockets, Russell Brand. He, he, he does his thing on, I think on rumble as well. Mm -hmm. He has 15 minutes on YouTube. He's not banned there, but he, then he cuts it off so he can talk about things YouTube would ban him for. Right. And he had last Friday, I think Tucker Carlson on for the first interview outside of Fox that he uh, gave. And, Dude, I, I like Tucker. The, the stuff he says is very reasonable. Of course, if people are, you know, just in their corners, they're not going to listen to the interview. But look, listen to the interview and you'll see that people who have questions about the election are legitimate questions about the election. And they should be engaged and discussed, not, you know, dismissed so that you'll have even less, uh, less belief that there's any legitimate electioneering going on, election processes. And granted, there are a lot that you could argue has not been legitimate. Um, the, you know, the January 9th stuff, they even talked about that. All of this stuff is reasonable and right for 6th, discussion. Man. January 6th, thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. But all of it is reasonable and right for discussion. But anything they say you can't talk about. You can't talk about it. You can't you discuss it. You need to talk it. more about it. You can't have questions. Questions are not allowed. Mm -hmm. Where do we live? What country is this? Yeah. Anything they don't want you to discuss are the things, those things need to be discussed more urgently than just about anything else that there is. Uh, so I don't know. They're crying about the fact that they're not controlling the podcast and they, they hate Elon Musk now, even though. Oh, I don't and they go after Joe Rogan. Rogan, of course. In this too, year. Yeah. yeah. And they, so the comments they make. Here they say, analysts say, people seek out the shows that have reaffirmed their own beliefs. Mm -hmm. And yeah. <laughs> people watch movies uh, in genres they like. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, man. People who yeah, like science fiction that. watch science fiction. People who are, are conservative listen to conservative radio. Mm -hmm. You know what? People who are liberal watch MSNBC. <laughs> And and so I don't I don't understand what the problem is. The problem that they've got is they can't regulate it. Mm -hmm. They can't control it. And so it's not so much I think that people are seeking out shows that reaffirm their beliefs because people do that with everything. They read books, they read magazines, they listen to music. It's all stuff that they are attracted to that they like that they agree with. Right? That's just normal. That's what people do. 
what they can't do is they can't push back on it at this point. And that's they don't have the ability to do that yet. They're working on it. And eventually they're going to try. Yeah. I think the, sa- the, the thing that has saved us and has saved everybody that chooses to disagree with the narrative is that they've been able to stay a step ahead of them somehow. Yeah. And, you know, the truth is not just going to disappear because they figure out some way to try and silence it. You know, it's all, it's always going to come out. It's always going to come out. And the harder that they push, the the more it backfires on them. Mm -hmm. And so they've got the, they've got the crosshairs on podcasting now, and I'm sure they'll probably have some sort of like, you know, we we talk about artificial intelligence being something that, that, you know, it's, I'm sure they're going to employ that in some way that's going to be able to go through and somehow like listen to the podcasts and create an algorithm that will detect certain words and stuff. I think that kind of technology kind of already exists. I believe so. Yeah. I, That's, I think does. YouTube uses something like that. Yeah. So, so, uh, all right. We got a few minutes left here. And again, thank you all for being here. You know, we're on two hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and then an additional hour on Sundays. We've de- decided, you know, with these Sunday conversations and they're just terrific. In fact, I felt like we almost had a Sunday conversation in the first hour of the show. Kind of. We yeah. A, right. Latipo, yeah. Right. Um, she was just amazing. So and, yeah. Can we end the show on some, on some good news? Oh, please. Let's do we that. Got, we got less than five minutes here. Okay. All right. So we go to Wisconsin. I, let's go to Wisconsin mm-hmm. where they're cracking nuts out there. <laughs> okay. I thought I they were cutting the cheese. Isn't no, that what this is? Now? The nutcracker? Yes, cracker? it's a nutcracker story out of Wisconsin. It's perfect because we've got Christmas in July for in July. a sale going on in uh, at Nutritional Frontiers. So that That's makes right. sense. So Wisconsin health officials apparently have dropped the fine for a nutcracker performance that happened during COVID restrictions. Now, Madison is as loony loony left as a city can get and not be San Francisco. We know because we have friends there, including Kevin, that would tell me the stories that were going on there. And I actually visited there, I think, early on. We did a tour there. But uh, let's see. Health officials in Wisconsin have dropped a fine against a dance studio. What is the name of the dance studio? Uh, It's a public health Madison in Dane County. Cancel the penalty against a leap above dance on June 22nd. The the Wisconsin State Journal reported Thursday. The studio is located in Oregon, a Madison suburb. Okay. That's confusing a little bit, but okay. The health department had alleged that 119 people attended the performance even though the department had banned mass gatherings to slow COVID-19 spread. So they went ahead and said, no, 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 we're, we're going to perform because these kids, you know, they, they still need to live. They still need to live their lives and they're not under really any risk. And those that want to take the risk to be there is like, no, 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 we can't allow you to do that. So the fine could be added up if it's 119 counts up to uh, $23,800. But they said, oh, no, no, we would have maxed it out at 3200 but still, oh, a, how nice of you. Yeah, a small, you know, dance and artist <laughs> studio, $3,200 could break a, a company like that. And um, anyway, the studio joined a lawsuit back in February of 2021 in which two parents alleged that the health department's order limiting mass gatherings inhibited their children's ability to participate in indoor sports. Department's gatherings restriction ended a few months later. Mm-hmm. And now, just now, they finally went, okay, we're going to waive that fee after all. How much money did this, this these people have to sue on this behalf? It's kind of like the government going, well, we know it's unconstitutional, but let them sue, and then eventually, but we'll get right. our way for now. I mean, this yep. is disgusting. Nope. Just another example of how, you know, they, um, they it was a huge overreach, mm-hmm. huge overreach. 
All right, so with just two minutes to go, yeah. Do you, you like ice cream, right? I don't mind it. Say you like ice cream. I don't I mind just, it. You like yeah. ice cream. All right. Like yeah. Okay. What do you got here? Uh, <gasps> oh, Ben and ben Jerry's. And Jerry's. These guys. <laughs> these guys have always been very kind of woke, woke. And, and political, yeah. and they've mm-hmm. used their ice cream and their advertising to yeah. uh, to to do that. And and on the Fourth of July, they posted this tweet here. Huh? The United States was founded on stolen indigenous land. This Fourth of July, let's commit to returning it. Here's why we need to start with Mount Rushmore. Okay. So they're 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 championing the 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 plight of Give the, the Indian, land back. Yeah. Uh, and and their land being taken away. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, in an interesting twist, the a local tribe uh, around where their headquarters is Ben and Jerry's headquarters. Ben and Jerry's headquarters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they said, okay, Ben mm-hmm. and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we agree with you. We would like you to please uh, give us the land back that your headquarters is on because it originally belonged to our tribe. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and, of course, they right away responded to the tribe and said, here, you can have our building and everything on it because it's yours. We stole it. No, that's not what happened. No, crickets, crickets, of course. That was the response from Ben and Jerry's, ben and Jerry's. at least last time that we checked. We uh, didn't really mean our whoops. property or our <laughs> land, just everybody else's. <clears throat> like, yeah, Ben and Jerry's headquarters sits on a vast swath of U.S. territory that was under the auspices of the Abenaki people before colonization, according to a news re- report. And so now they're calling out Ben and Jerry. Okay, if you really mean it, let's, can we have our land back, please? Nothing. What do you think? Virtue signaling? You think they were It'll serious? It'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, yeah. you can't put yourself out there like that and then not follow through. I mean, can you imagine... Now, yeah. yeah, if they, if they if they, you know, <laughs> basically turn their property over, I mean, I'll I'll credit them for being you know sincere, but well, we'll I have see. a feeling it's not. The All right, ball I'm is sure we're court. almost it's out of time. T- yeah, we got we yeah. we are ready to go. All right, y'all, thanks for being here. We got the bonus round happening at robertscabell.com right now because the power to heal is yours. Uh, yeah. I was just watching the feed over bright on, but they're, they this when they're on, they're on. Yeah, they nailed it. They nail the the breaks really good. And, Did we get and out on time? We've talked we've talked with them before, and they they appreciate the fact that we uh, we do it the way that we do it. Yeah, because you know our our training right yeah. was all on radio. Yeah, and well, so these types of things taking breaks at certain times and, mm-hmm. and signing out and coming back in and all that kind of yeah. stuff is 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 natural to us, and it's not something unless you've been in radio mm-hmm. that you really kind of are yeah. able to wrap your head around. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of cool. It's kind of yeah. kind of cool to see that work out that way. So quiet over on on the Rumble chat room. Uh, Marge okay. did say hi. Hi Marge. Hi Marge. If you're still mm-hmm. there, yes. If you haven't left to go watch Kate Daly, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which by the way I haven't heard from Kate. I don't know if I'm supposed to or how do I reach her. I know Marge is really trying to connect us with Kate, <clears throat> and I liked yeah. it. She seems like a great lady. So, Let's see, indeed. Hmm. Hey, so what Steven are you says, seeing on your end there? Um, tomorrow, 7-11-2023, 7 p.m. Central, Jeffrey Smith, our buddy Jeffrey Smith, is holding a webcast titled The Best Way to Protect and Detox from Glyphosate. Yeah. Okay. So Jeffrey got my endorsement anytime he does something. So He's got uh, your phone number, too. He needs to call you and say, he hey, does. I got this thing coming up. Right? I think he, there was an we'll email. get him on the show. About it. But remember, yeah. his webmaster contacted us last week, yes, offered to right. help us get an SSL. 
did we ever figure out was like is it secure socket layer or something like that? SSL, what it stands uh, for? SSL. You haven't committed is, that to memory. Um, a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a secure. Yeah, it's a, man. Is it what I thought it was? It's a secure sockets. Secure layer. socket layer. Okay. No sockets. Okay, I didn't have plural on the socket. Yeah, so you were okay. wrong. Yeah. Ha ha. Dude, okay. I, I got to tune out. Standard security technology for establishing an encrypted link between a server and a client. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's but something you're supposed to have. So have you sent him an email to say thank you for the offer? No, I was going to call him. To do it? Oh, okay. He, cool. he left his phone number, so I'm All just right, going to give him a call. Can you say his name? Because I, I greatly Gij appreciate or Gij or, it. or I don't know. It's yeah. G-E-J. It's a Indian type name. But yeah. what a kind offer, right? And, oh, totally. And, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, and look... Super Don and I are good at some things, maybe a lot of things, but not that. Not that. <laughs> not no. that. that. I mean, the fact that we kept the website going all these years is a, a miracle, honestly. So we have to look to you know do something there, and maybe we'll get some help. So thank you for, for all your assistance, anybody out there. And for those of you who are patron supporters, I think there were two others that joined up. I don't know if we ever got to say thank you to them over the weekend, in addition to the one you mentioned. Because um, I think you forwarded an email, maybe it was last week, and I just want to make sure we said thank you. Uh, to them as well, um, you had sent to me. Well, let's see what we got here. <clears throat> Patreon. Let's see. We had, uh, so we had Tracy White today. Mm-hmm. Then we had, uh, when was this? This was back on the second. Two people back on the second. Okay, that's it. That was Yolanda mm-hmm. and Steve. Okay. Thank you, Yolanda and Steve, for joining us. So Yolanda, Steve, and Tracy mm-hmm. um, have signed up in July. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for yep. that. Appreciate that very much. We are in the bonus round where anything goes. If you guys want a question or comment or just throw out some silly, we can do that here. And there's no no script. Not that we're really heavily scripted, but Super D does send some great articles that I like to comment on. And today, yeah, you were stellar in terms of what you threw out at me, I have to say. It got, know, me, got me I'm going. At, at the mercy of, of the whoever decides to publish news on yeah. that day. Some days are better than others. But um, I think it was the kinder, gentler version of me, RSB. Because back in the day, I would have just been letting loose and well, ripping you're, you're, new you're, ones, you know. You're, uh, mellowing in old You're age kind of feeling it today, right? Yeah. Well, we said it was an emotional day. Yeah. I, I opened to talk about that. I was like... Dude, I'm feeling it's like, ah, uh, there's extra stuff. And I'm like, there is extra stuff too. But it was sort of like, I got to acknowledge the emotional state I'm in, you know, with my son moving out for the first time. It's like, wow, what a big, big uh, life step, you know? Yep. And uh, yeah, pretty amazing. We got the uh, RSB Family Union this weekend coming up. Can't wait to see Kevin Tuttle, our buddy Kevin. Before he heads out on his adventure with his family far, far, far away, but hopefully we'll stay connected, of course. And I think Taryn Gregson and family, Sherry Neal, of course, Leslie. And there's so many more people that are coming that are going to surprise me. I think uh, Ben, uh, what's a uh, Tapper? I think Tapper. and his family. They were talking about coming, and I don't know who else, but man, it's going to be a fun weekend. And you have some events coming up. You've got some out of town trips as well. We're going to have. I'm going out of town too. to see my son on Thursday. Mm-hmm. It'll be a long weekend this time, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then next week, 
Mm-hmm. My wife surprised me for Father's Day with tickets to go see Disturbed, uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, Disturbed. Dude, how did she find those tickets? I mean, is she just scouring the the online no, stuff? I think she kind of planned ahead. She knew it was coming, okay. so she she uh, she not only got tickets, but they're like prime, Dude, awesome. She tickets. loves you. She really loves you. They were not cheap, yeah. <laughs> so we're we're like. Very, 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 very front center, nine rows back. Wow. Well, you know, sometimes you go, the experience is worth it. Yeah. Well, these guys are a bucket list. You know, uh, music for me for Mm -hmm. a long time when I was younger and I was growing up, it was was just something you listened to and it had, you know, like on American Bandstand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I give it. A, I give it a nine. You know, it has a good beat, and I can dance to it. You know, yeah. that's that's pre- how music was really. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got older where I started actually listening to lyrics. Yeah, right. <clears throat> you're you're the lyric guy. Yeah, but for me, I just you know it was the music and the lyrics were just just a kind of just a byproduct of the of the the music, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I first heard these guys, I was just like, wow, these are some really awesome. I mean, like heavy. Mm-hmm lyrics and at the time it, it was one of those things have you ever gone through like an experience in your life some people do some people don't where mm-hmm. they uh music plays a a a uh, a key role yeah. in what they're going through and it's almost like a like a therapy kind of thing because they can relate to that music mm-hmm. and lyrics in particular yeah. And it, it it assists them and kind of carries them through, and it's something they can relate to. And that's the experience that I had with the band Disturbed. Hmm. Um, it was just that during that period of time was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was something where I, it, it, you know, I can think back on that music, and it was like it was something I was able to lean on. And I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. Some people do, some people don't. But there's this like, um, the, yeah. So anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a bucket list thing. I don't know how long they're going to be able to perform. He's had several problems with his vocal cords. Oh, and just recently he uh, he had some this weird thing going on with his arm. Found out he had a, a tumor in his arm on on one of the bones in his arm, mm-hmm. and so don't know at this point. You know what the situation. This may be the last tour that they do, and yeah. so it was just kind of like it just all came together and stuff. Mark Solo. Oh, wait, no. Mark Solo is is DJ uh, DJ Katie. Yeah, Katie. So yeah, the lead singer of Disturbed could sing like uh, an opera singer. D- yeah, he's got a very interesting past where he he was he was a a, a, a singer. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think it was like in a, a temple or or something. To, you know, something religious. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But in any case, if you've ever heard his version of the Sound of Silence, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. It next it, level. It, goosebumps mm-hmm. like on your neck you know the hair on your neck stands up so like that he's an amazing singer mm-hmm. um but he can sing metal like nobody's business i mean it's 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 uh it's very unique so anyway mm-hmm. i've said a lot there but uh just to set up that this is a big deal so i'll be doing that uh the following week couple of days we're going down to wheatland california which is like outside of sacramento oh is, is that a commonplace for aging rock stars to go play no, it's i mean there's there's concerts it's like a big uh, stadium there okay All, a lot of big acts go through there and stuff so hmm. katie saw him at the 930 club in dc All wow right. well i think i'm in for a good a good show they just ended their uh, european uh mm-hmm. leg yeah of the tour and uh they're hitting the uh 
the U.S. leg of it now. So I remember, um, not a doc, Chris. Uh-huh. He would tell us stories of how many concerts he would go to, and he'd usually get front and center, and like, you know, and he was into some real awesome, you know, amazing music uh, as well. Steve yeah. Vai was his favorite guitarist, and he would go see Steve, and Steve I think he said we talked about seeing Al Diola, and uh, various like even. I don't remember all the concerts he went to, but that was a big thing for him. He had great joy in doing that in the music mm-hmm. realm. And so, uh, yeah, I think about that. And then I think about my music street credits, probably not nearly as good as most, but <laughs> I have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Got to do it. So I was looking at the calendar. Um, I was uh, uh, talking with our friends at Cardio Miracle, and they've been invited to to appear on Jim Baker, is he still around and alive? Jim Baker? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I haven't looked him up in a while, but I did. Yeah. I have seen him, uh, it, yeah, off and on over the years that he's, he's still got, he's got a thing going on still. So this uh, month, latter part of the month, uh, they've invited me to join them and speak about cardio miracle and what i do as well on that and they i think as far as i know they got millions of of viewers and followers so we might end up having a lot of new folks joining us on the show after that it's a record pre-record i think they pre-record for later uh tv or whatever they go out to so that's just added to the calendar toward the latter part of this month uh so have you seen what he looks like you remember what he looked like before i mean you know that you had the the Jim and Tammy Faye thing yeah, that happened and, and everything. Yeah. And uh, he looks a little different now. Does he? I, I don't know. Do you have pictures of him? Yeah. This is, I don't know how old this is, but this is, this is what he looks like now. It looks like Wolf Blitzer with no hair. Kind of a Wolf Blitzer thing going yeah. on, right? <laughs> yeah. That is a different look. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's what he looks like. Remember they got hammered during COVID because they were promoting their own silver or some silver. private label yep. brand. Yep. Um, but you find out how fast you don't have freedom of speech when you want to speak about certain things and, and you sell something. Of course, I've been able to be vocal about it because I don't sell anything here. Uh, it gives me more freedom of speech. Of course, we sacrificed, if you can call it that, economic viability because I make a lot more money if I sold products. But I, I don't want to be restricted in my freedom of speech, so I just elect to, you know, you guys sell your stuff and I'll help to tell people about it. That's the be- best I can do because I don't want to be it all curtailed in what I want to say. Let me just have some more CBD here. My full spectrum organic CBD made in America from Nutritional Frontiers. Mm-hmm. This is the mint flavor one. I still love it. It's right there. All right. What else we got? Comments, questions. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I've been selling some things on, you know, the versions of Craigslist that are out there now. It's all changed. Facebook Marketplace, local TV, newspapers are online, free, you know, you can sell stuff. So a bed frame and a box spring. So it's like, those are not normal things that you do unless people do that a lot. It's like, gets you distracted. Like, oh, you got to respond to somebody that may want to come buy something, you know, just make use of that. So uh, yep. lots of other stuff going on while, you know, unloading and like my son and all of his stuff that he's accumulated over the years, figuring out what does he keep? What does he take? What does he chunk? Give away. He made a bunch of uh, fun. I don't know. It's upstairs. See if no, Nancy. You want, you don't want to bring them down. Maybe my my daughter wants to bring them down. But they uh, made a lot of um, 
what do you call them? Like weapons, but not weapons made out of wood to look like things that they saw in their various video games that they would do. And, and my son did precision machining. So he liked to work also with wood and he made these things. I'm like, dude, you've had these for years. What are you going to do with them? You know, you could sell them. People would buy them, but give them to, to kids that would enjoy them. But uh, they're not real weapons, but they are made of real solid wood, which is kind of cool. Um, but th those are little things like, what are we doing? What are you doing with those? <laughs> <laughs> they're just cool, man. They're just cool mm. to have. Yeah. So you went to, um, what you went to Ashland. Is it the same trip that you dropped by the ex-wife? And I don't mean that literally, but the, the TRN when we were with TRN, cause the, those buildings are defunct. I did. Was it was, yeah, because that that was uh, the the network was in Central Point, so we were <clears throat> we were in Ashland. Ashland yeah. We got to Ashland kind of late because I was I left the week. I left I saw your late. urban non Shakespeare Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll never forget it. <laughs> I mean, let's just say, I mean, if that's a, a bonus, mm -hmm. it, it will be something that we can talk about. Yo, that blade is dope. That blade. Oh, that wasn't dude. even an iambic pentameter. Come on. Yeah, there was very little, and it was <clears throat> it was mostly an urban kind of a woke mm -hmm. thing. Um, and every once in a while, they'd kind of drift a little bit into the kind of the Elizabeth Elizabeth. How do you say Elizabethian? Elizabethian, uh, yeah. Uh, style, and then boom, you're right back, and and you know it 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 had some humor in it. Yeah, but it was also it, it was definitely a uh, uh, political type thing as well, you know. Hmm. So what you know, whatever. So here's an example of yeah, you know what you're you're you know Ari Ari's cracking me up because she walked in yeah, and she was she was handing it to you like this. She didn't want to be on screen. You couldn't see her face. Yeah. Right? So this is like I don't know, like a meat cleaver that he carved out it's of wood a with saw. like a yeah. saw or something. And, and he even hooked it up with these, like, uh, what do you call these, these clips here? Cotter pins or yeah, whatever, or something yeah. where you can open this up to where it'll, it'll be long as opposed to that. So this is the kind of stuff that the kids were doing some years ago and they have these things. Wow. Yeah. Should we give these away on the AMA? No, I don't think so. Nah, you don't want to give those away. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to do with them. You keep them. Yeah. But, Thanks, thanks, Ari, for bringing that down. That's, yeah, that's that was pretty, funny. pretty cool looking. Yeah. Do we still have the, the, the thing from Contact Organics, that um, non-glyphosate weed killer stuff? Yeah, it should be on there. On the Is side. it um, like, a, it's a, it's banner. like a banner, right? Yeah. I was just having somebody ask me about that. I want to see yep. if I can send them the link. Let's see. It is. Where is it? I'm scrolling. scrolling Live scrolling. clean. Live clean. Ah, there it is. Okay. Copy that link. Copy link. There we go. Use code RSB for a free brass nozzle. Yeah. All right. That's it. Uh, let's see. What else we got to wrap up on? There. You know, I don't know when to take. I didn't get a chance to talk about this, <clears throat> but somebody who wants to remain anonymous was asking me about my... Um, Let's see. Uh, struck by comedy. Uh, basically, no. I guess it's not so much religious beliefs, but even affiliation. And at the same time, they're like, don't do this on the air. I wouldn't recommend you do it because there's a lot of haters out there. Right. Ah. You, <laughs> yeah. But I, I do understand the sentiment because I get it. Yeah. You know, there so many people will hear me talk because, you know, anytime I give a presentation, 
there's going to be God in it, spirit in it, however you describe it. That's just me. That's who I am. That's what I believe. It's what I live. And so people that are of faith, we're going to go, yeah, I gravitate to that, which you would expect. I mean, atheists might look at that and go, he's a silly goofball, whatever. But the point of me doing so is not to convert people to any one religion. I know there are a lot of people, you know, we're in an area where we get proselytized a lot, but kindly with love and people are sincere. Not like I was beaten over the head, you know, with the proverbial Jesus stick when I was little. Oh, I got a call coming in from one of Jonathan Nemort's people here. Hold on a second. Ah, yes. Quarter after. Yeah. All right. We're just about wrapping up on the air. Can you hold a sec or I can call you right back? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay. I'll keep you on here. So uh, anyway, just to wrap up this thought here on on the show before I we, we go, uh, it, it, it's about, you know, espousing your beliefs in a way that it resonates for people. And it's just another nice message from someone who says, yeah, I'm a person of faith and I really like what you said, like on the Jonathan Otto series and, and did some things. And I'm like, that's very kind and loving of you when you do that. And, and yet... Um, I, I could talk to this person off the air about stuff like that, but I'm, I'm game and I, I'm happy to talk about this stuff on the air, but usually we're trying to convert, if you will, not you, but our Sunday conversations more into that spirit filled world, because it's a, it's a big part of many of our lives. And I think it's wonderful to hear people's journeys today was, you know, with Brianna Latipo, uh, the wife of uh, Joseph Latipo from uh, Florida, jo- Surgeon General it was an amazing discussion. I would have her on for a Sunday. I think we can do a lot more anyway. So I'll leave it at that for the moment. And, uh, May the force be with you. How's that for a neutral <laughs> way of saying that? Right? Okay. Good. You go with that? May the force be with you. All right, okay. guys. See you tomorrow, less than 22 <laughs> hours from now, God willing. Thanks for being here, all y'all. All right. We'll see you tomorrow.